Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. rolling so um so you can talk about what we just said so um hello folks we're here episode 165 galen trombley show with brady channel two n's two l's that's how i remember how to spell his name but he is the director i'm gonna make sure i get this correct here director of adirondack helping hands which is an early intervention preschool correct that's not bad i didn't butcher that's it. perfect okay we're doing good there um he brought in you said this is your favorite drink right now yeah i mean i can't bring you in draft but it's the fiddlehead in a can, which is still just as good, but it is my favorite beer. Fiddlehead IPA. Yep, out of Vermont. So I, I agree. This is my favorite beer right now. Um, nice. Typically, I get a draft. When I see it, I always see the little the little handle there, and I get excited. So um, it was Juice Bomb. Now, I think it is Fiddlehead IPA. What is the... Uh, do you have the untapped app? No. Okay. Gra- grab my phone real quick behind you. Untapped? Untapped app. So I got this from... A friend let me find the food so it's called untapped it's this little doodad right here yeah. it's like yellow and it has two little bottles kind of clanging together like a cheers and what you can do is you can look up pretty much any beer known to man so if i go fiddlehead um it's gonna pop right up fiddlehead ipa so what they do is it's on a ranking system so they rank it i believe one to five so fiddlehead ipa is ranked 3.92 which a lot of people if they use this app that are like beer snobs they won't drink anything under a four. So they would consider this beer based on whatever the metrics are that people use, that this would be considered a 3.92 rating out of five, which is still very strong. But like second fiddle is your double IPA, which is considered a 4.28. And then mastermind, which I've never had, is 4.28 also. Wait, they're saying second fiddle is better than this fiddle? Second fiddle is better than this. Mastermind better than this. Hodad better than this. Rarified air... Not as good, almost as good. Fiddlehead Brewing Company. So those are the top, look at those. Those are the top five right there. So if you're looking, if you ever go into a, a wow. where you can really get lost in this is if you go into a, um, like a beer cave. And <laughs> just pull and up just, the app. And you start, well, you know all the cans. So you're like sitting yeah. there and you're engulfed in all these like random metallic cans and aluminum cans and all these different weird logos. So if you start using that and going through, you'll know if it's a legitimate beer. There's so many. There's, there's thousands of beers on there so if you go and just find some random like like uh like which one you see a lot like bolton always seems like they have beers like the bolton brewing company and then you have obviously fiddlehead and you have you know alchemist and you have all these beers that are on there but you just go and use that use that app or to actually get your beer ranked so this i was wondering to see what this ranking was because this is my favorite beer i love it but it's 4.92 so i basically 3.92 i kind of i kind of am that app in my own head i just go look Try it, rank it, and then if I go buy it again, I like it. If I don't, so I what? Don't. Have you ever bought in a beer where you just taste like ass and you're just like, yeah, this? it's uh, it has a frog. What's it? Long, not long br- trokes. Is it? But the frog, the frog, the black frog that's on it. I can't think of the name. I just drank it yesterday and too. It's bad. They have one flavor that comes out like maple syrup. 
So I tried it for the first time, and I and I love beer. Ask Anna; she can tell you. But I took a sip, and I thought that like I was gonna get sick. Yeah, it was, and I like kind of dumped it out, and it just came out like almost like a Bailey's type texture. It was just it was a stout. What? Yeah, but I but it didn't. I, don't, I swear when I read it, it didn't say it was a stout. Like it just looked. It just said a normal IPA like this. And I was like, oh, I would love to try that. And I took a sip, and I'm not kidding. It was close to the worst thing I've ever so, tasted. So this entire. app might help you avoid that. So the so there's a there's a couple beers that I've tried. Do you, you like this one? Tastes like maple syrup. You said no. It just kind of like came out like maple syrup. Like it felt oh, like it like the t- consistency of it. Yeah, oh, it tasted okay. like. I can't even. I can't even tell you. It's just like thick. It was just so a couple good. of the beers. I, I remember going up to a Montreal one time, and I got. A, I forgot what beer it was. I want to say if there was a beer called Kilkenny, it might be. It might be called. It was an Irish beer or Irish name of a beer, and I got. It, I'm like, great. It's an Irish name. Must be decent. God, it was god awful. I remember trying it, and up in Montreal, there's not. There's. It's very hard to get beer in Montreal because it's like all these little shops and stores, and they don't really have like a proper like you go in convenience store grab beer. It's like they have all these weird things. Yeah, so yeah. to go find a, a place to get beer is like a scavenger hunt sometimes in Montreal. I mean, you get it in any restaurant, but to go find like cans. So we ended up. I was up with some buddies. This was years ago. That was probably a decade or more ago. And I remember going up, found this beer. I was like, same thing. No, I didn't have the, an, any app at this time. I was like, <laughs> let me just try it. Then based on just names, it's like people picking out wine based on the bottle. Like I just looked at the the label, looked at the name, said, hey, this works. It was awful. I had like two sips of it, and I said, screw this. I'm not having it. The other beer that was really bad. This was back in the old Jeffrey's Pub days. Oh wow, love Jeff. That was great. Jeffrey's Pub days. And they had a chocolate stout. and See, No thanks. And I tried it. And I'm like, you know what? This might taste good. It was in winter. I'm like, this sounds like stout weather. Let me try it. And I had a pint of it. And it was one of those where, like you sip the first few sips. And you're like, this is real. This is pretty good. Like not great, but this is pretty good. I like it. And then I got to the point where it was about a third of the way down. And I dreaded finishing it. And I think I got maybe halfway and I stopped. I didn't, I didn't drink the rest and of it. And you're upset that you bought it and you I, don't want to leave it. And well, it's like, well, part of me is like, oh, you bought it, just drink it. And this was like 10 years ago. And I was like, like, ah, oh, like you're an idiot. You bought this. And, and the, the girl getting, she's like, oh, I got this new beer. It's like a chocolate stout. And I'm like, I'll try it. And I don't like fruit beer. Me either. And he's got fruit flavor. Um, even wine, like fruit wine, I don't like. It's too sweet. Nasty. Yeah. So Fiddlehead IPA, I think is... It's good. Um, you ever have Paradox? I have had Paradox. That's not bad. I really yeah. enjoy Paradox, actually. That, where's that out of? Do you know? I looked it up once. I'm going to guess Maryland. Really? I don't know why. Is that just a random, like, that was just your feeling, gut? Yeah, let's just see. <laughs> I just have a... <laughs> Maryland. North Hudson, New York. I was going to say, I don't think it's Maryland. I was thinking of someplace local. I was thinking is like it Ithaca. It's Stop. Not... Oh, oh, yeah, because they're the, of is course, they have the stupid, uh, the mountains in the background. Their goddamn logo, their logo is the mountains. Is it, is it Ithaca? Or is it, or is it uh, North Hudson? Or... Is... I think Paradox is like not far away. Like I want to say Tupper Lake, but not Saranac Lake. But it's like something Adirondacky or maybe like Old Forge or Ithaca or something. Utica. I'm getting North Hudson, New York. Okay, so that's that's exit like 26, 25? Yeah. It's at the heart of the Adirondack Mountains. There you go. Yeah, because it, it has like the two peaks. 
Yeah, so Maryland was a really. I was. Gonna, guess. I didn't know where Maryland came from, so I'm like, I'm either really wrong, or I was like, I, I'm pretty sure it's what you just said. It's like yeah, a that local. Was, that was dumb. Okay, well, no, that's fine. It, we don't judge here. That's, We're trying though. It, no, it was, it was that, a good. You you went for it. I and that beer, I couldn't find Fiddlehead for a while, and I could only find Paradox, so I tried that, and that became my favorite can beer. It was good. Um, the good thing about my thing about IPAs, you can get a nice little buzz, like one or two drinks, and then you're done. Yep. It's like the perfect dinner beer slash. I'm getting old. I want to get like the like the dinner time buzz, but I want to go to bed like. Yep, and wake up feeling normal. Yeah, if you're like if you're gonna turn one on and put in like a long shift, like i.e. college days, you're not drinking IPAs. <laughs> no, you're, you're drinking whatever flows quick and easy. And no, and cheap. they're not cheap. Yeah, they're not cheap. No, they're not. You, you, you're you're investing in a good evening buzz. The cash the cash clerk actually made a comment about. Did they ID you? No. I go there some, I know. You're I regular, know okay, okay, no. all right. <laughs> but I, I go and he goes, he just goes, oh my gosh, like six, like with tax, it was like 15 or 16 bucks or four beers. It's like, I would never do that. And I'm like, well, after you have one, I think you would change your mind. He's like, I don't know about that. But I was like, you gotta, you can't Imagine not Imagine if you drank all four of them. Like that, I'm just well, saying like, but I'm saying like, I don't oh. like, but, but like if you're just like chilling outside oh, around the campfire, at, at a, like, I would get four. Like if you and I would get two four packs, and I would just drink those because you know I'm not I'm not going to drink more than four. But you're going to get a fantastic buzz. Feel really good. You feel really good, and it's for sixteen bucks. Like yep. I think that's a steal when Instead it comes out of that. Drinking what eighteen Coors Lights? Or yeah, Coors Lights like, and hating your life. On. Exactly. I mean, I I like I don't mind Coors Light. I can I can drink Coors Light in a certain setting. But yeah. you just pop through those. Those are like drinking water. Like you can pop I, through Coors Light. Quick. And I enjoy this. I don't enjoy those. I, it depends on the atmosphere. It depends what I'm doing. I will. Like, sometimes when I go golfing, if we're playing in tournaments, we might start with IPAs and we know it's not a good you deal. Be careful, you're right. Yeah, but sometimes it's just better to go right with the, like, the, like the nice light beer that you can crush like a beer every couple holes and feel good. Yeah, I try not to drink when I golf anymore. I'm not very good. I'm not good at golf, you know, period. What did you, what did you, uh, I beat Alec the other day. Really? Your game's coming around. So what, what are you at right now? Like, what's your, what's your scoring average, roughly? Like, I would say in the, past i would still probably say 90 i can't i won't give myself under 90 yet, but i'm probably shooting still like 90 but my last few rounds have been like 88 87 yeah you're starting to break 90 i'm like i'm hovering i'm breaking 90 more consistently so that was that was my crux all year i was like low 90s mid 90s i was like the occasional 88 89 Mm -hmm. and then it's like i I have to be able to shoot better than this. This is terrible. So then my last three or four rounds that I've been out, I've broken 40 on a couple of the nines. And then I golfed earlier today. I shot, I three-putted nine for a 40. That's... I had I had a 15-foot birdie putt, and I three-putted. Not good. So I got a bogey. Happens. It happens. And then back nine, solid bogey golf, 45. So it was an 85. But nice. like... But the scores are getting better to the point where I'm like knocking on the door. My goal was to break 80 this year. I'm not going to hit it. But then I, Alec was texting me. And he was like, he, Alex is like the ultimate hype man. Like you can hit a oh, shitty shot. And he's going to be like, yo, bro, it's, let's go. Like you got it. Like got the next one. So my goal, I told him it was to, I'm like a 12 something right now. It was a split. I would like to be down half of that. So it's six next year. So that's my goal. It's a big jump. It's a big jump. But I, I really look at the six strokes that I could save. I know I can save six strokes around. Yeah. Like I, I can pinpoint certain things where I'm like, I'm not far off in certain categories that I could save those around. Yeah, I've lost, I started losing less balls off the tee, which has been huge. Uh, yep. That's true. Um, 
But speaking of Alec being the ultimate hype man, you have to tell me about that. We were playing yesterday, and then we got to 16 high bluff, mm-hmm. and there was a five-some that just showed up in front of us, like college kids, so we were whatever. We joined up with this guy walking in front of us, one guy. And you would have thought Alec and him knew each other from like every single time the guy would take a shot, he'd be like, his name is June. He's like, yeah, June, nice try. Like on the course, like, you know, clapping and screaming. I'm like, Alec, dude, what are you doing? He's like, you know, I'm just having a good time out here, man. You know, I'm just having a good time with my friend June. I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me? And at this point, I was not playing good anyway, so I didn't, you know, didn't care. But um, so I'm consistently, I should, my bad rounds are 90 above. So if I shoot like a 91, 92, like that's bad. So now, but so your expectation level when you play now, that is considered yep. bad. 90 is the only thing I'll accept. Fair. Yeah. So I, I've, at this point, I've always gone out and I've had in my head a number to beat. So that's like your par, you know what I mean? So yeah. like, so you can kind of joke, like I'm not like bracing to shamble at the master saying par 67. Like I'm like, I get it. Par 72 at most courses, but realistically I've never shot 72 in my life. So I would say my par now that I try to surpass is 85. So if I shoot an 84, then I feel good. Like I I broke my goal for the day. Mm -hmm. But beginning of the year, it was break 90. So like your expectation level does get better. This is anything in life, but in golf, it's like you can really pick a number and that's the goal you shoot for because no matter what, you can play, like we play in a tournament. You're playing the other player. But 99% of the time when you play golf, it's like what you do does not affect me. Or what mm-hmm. Alec does doesn't affect me. So you're always playing the course. Yep. So like in your head, it's always relative. And you could like bragging right, say I beat this other guy. But I very, very, very rarely play golf to try to beat somebody else. Like I always have a number in mind. And I'm like, just like make sure you just kind of are playing around that 85 number. Yep. Unless you golf with people who like to put money on the line every time. Well, if I'm putting money on the line, then, then you that, start. Yeah. Exactly. If there's a little bit to play for, but like a normal round. 90% of the time I play golf, it's just I go out, play with a group of people, and just try to get better. And just, yeah, and I just try to improve. And, and sometimes, like, there's time, you know, the times where you go out and you start, like, hey, I want to shoot a certain score. And then all of a sudden, you're like seven over through four. You're like, what the hell? Like, yeah. So then it's like, okay, instead of sitting there thinking, like, I want to try to break 40 at this point, that's out the window. I'm not going to do it. So then there's times where I'll go play golf and I'm, can, I'm only focusing on certain parts of my swing or only focusing on maybe my putting or only focusing on wedges or like I'll pick a portion of my game that I know is not great. And no matter what my score is, I, it's like irrelevant, but I'm like, can I get to the point where I'm swinging maybe my driver better or my swinging my wedges better throughout the course of the round? So I feel at least that I, I maybe it wasn't a total win from what I started out with, but I can mm-hmm. still take some positives away from the round. Cause sometimes you got to chalk up the round as like, okay, this is not going to be, you got a good score. Call it when you, yeah. But I, can I take a small victory out of it? Meaning, maybe I hit some really good short irons today, and I maybe I hit the green a few times uh, towards the later end of the round that I didn't in the beginning, and I could chalk that up as like, hey, I actually improved on a portion of my game. Or maybe after that seven over, the last fourteen holes of the round, I drove the ball very well, didn't hit it out of bounds, and all my drives went over X distance and I was like and I could be like oh I ended up hitting this many greens or this many fairways and that was like the win for me of the day yeah I uh maybe your brain is a little more uh able to multitask I if I think about too many things in the course I start playing worse really okay. so at the start of the round like obviously if like I hit like behind the ball or something like I'll like 
adjust to not yeah. behind the ball. Or if I notice like I'm swinging like an idiot, I'll try to fix it. But if I'm playing horrible and I don't like just it could just be anything. I'm, I'm I'm going left. I'm going right. Everything. I will just like not think of anything and just try to just play and just swing and like be a field golfer for us a day and then go figure it out at the range. Because okay, I li- I try like I every time I try to figure like if I like I'll take what I messed up on multiple times. Like I didn't go to the range as much as I should have, much as my friends told me I should go. Mm-hmm. Um, but playing with good golfers helped me like see a little bit how to get better so i went to the range a few times after going to the course or like the next day like oh i did this horrible and then i would try to fix my drive like i would go swing like you know i'd hit like two buckets of driver balls yeah because well how many times you drive on the course not much so how can you fix you know two you can't fix anything on the course exactly it's impossible but um so i try to think less on the course now Mm -hmm. i don't know Golf is just so hard and so frustrating. I'm just trying not to get mad the whole time, to be quite honest. Golf is... What is it about golf? Like you said, you get mad, but you, but still, keep you still keep playing. And it's days like you have a bad round and like, like, fuck this. I'm not playing golf ever again. I'm yeah. done. I'm done. I'm done for the season. All of a sudden, like a week later, you're like... It's like an addiction. Man, I, like, I, I, yeah, it's like, man, I just like watched the final round or like the Valero Texas Open mm-hmm. and now I want to go play golf. Like, it's just like the oddest thing. It's like, like you don't want golf to beat Like, you need to beat golf. Like and it's you, a game you can never beat. Yeah, and you just, it's just every single time, it, you just want to go and show up and like you shoot and you're like, hell yeah, I had a great day today. Oftentimes you don't say that off the course. You're like, yeah, I had fun today, but yeah, like, you know. I always, I always find, I take, I take small victories in certain, certain things. So like you pick, like pick rounds, but it's like based on what you shoot, like you know if you shot decent. Like today. Yeah, don't shoot your expectations too high. Yeah, like today I was like, you know what? I shot really well in the front. Um, but I had some loose swings, but I scrambled well today. Like there are certain things that I did that I thought were, I hit some really quality shots. I hit some really bad shots, but overall I'm like, some of the shots I hit, I would not have been able to pull that off beginning of the year. Meaning I'm getting oh, yeah, better. I like, totally there's feel some that. shots I'm like, you know what? I feel more confident over that style of shot. Bunker play. I'll give you a perfect example. Beginning of the year, if I got in a bunker, the chances I was able to get it out of the bunker was 50-50. And the chances I could get it on the green was like 10%. And I would say the chances I could get it like a decent shot where you're almost tapping in was like single digit percentage. So so then I'm sitting there and I, I kind of like worked on some stuff. And, and today I hit the bunker twice, uh, number 11 and number 12. Both times I hit the bunker shot out of the bunker to three to four feet on both of them. That's and sick. one of them was like both of them went out, landed a little checkup and rolled right next to it. And I never would have done that prior. I would have just like, like I would have been like, great, I'm chipping. There's no way we up and down for par. I'm going to at best get out up and down for, and maybe get a bogey or even a double. And both times I got up, up and down. So it was like, I kind of looked at that as like, well, that to me is a win that I'm now feeling more confident than when I hit into a bunker. I don't feel it's like the end of the world. Like I almost don't mind missing to a bunker because I'm like, I can at least get out of it and put it on the green. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes it's you get a lot of spin on those. If it's nice sand, yeah. It's sometimes it almost just becomes a normal shot. As you, like you said, you got better because I, I think if you gave those percentages, mine probably didn't even. You know, I don't reach those percentages 50-50. No, like I would take. I didn't even know how. I didn't know the technique. I didn't know. I just put my lob wedge in my hand. Yep. Because I knew it was my most lofted club. Yep. Not just thinking, you know, take your sand wedge and you know open it up. So I'd have to swing even harder. Anyways, my lob wedge. It was just a mess. And then my friends, Josh, I think, actually, 
told me the technique of how to do it. And I just literally just kept, I went to bluff one day actually too, and just swung in that bunker that they have on the side for like 40 minutes. How's that bunker? Decent? I mean, no, but But, I mean, it's a place. It's realistic to the course sometimes too. So it's a bunker. So, I mean, but it helped. And then I'm actually on the course now, like you said, I can, I'm confident hitting out of the sand. Um, Actually, like I sometimes like it. Like sometimes I'd rather hit. I mean, it's crazy. But sometimes if you're buried in the fringe of the like the rough, and the the pin is close to the like where your ball is. Yeah, short sided. Yep. Like that shot sucks. Like yeah. what do you? You have to have the greatest touch. Like or you're gonna hit it too far. Whatever. Like the sand. I feel like sometimes I can just like still hit the nice flop shot so it comes up and down. Yeah, a little softer. My flop shot is uh, something that I try often. My peers tell me that it's a stupid shot to play in terms of it's risky of how risky it is and i'm not you know being the best golfer but if you pull off a flop shot there's nothing better than pulling off a flop shot there there's actually so 2007 2007 president's cup i was down and we were in montreal Mm -hmm. they had at royal montreal and tiger woods was playing and so first off, if you've never seen professional golf live, like you could see it on TV, it's great. Like you watch the Masters, you yeah, watch yeah. the Majors, whatever. If you see it in person, though, it is different because what you don't see on the court or what you don't see on the TV that you can see on the course is that think about getting on a tee box and feeling the intimidation factor of like a, a, a tight tee shot. Like I, I, perfect example for me, for whatever reason, every time I get up on hole number four and hole number 17 at Bluff, par fives, the shot just doesn't shake. And I know number four is crazy because it's just straight down. It's a tough hole. But it's like, it's, it's just a shot that doesn't fit my eye. So like when you get up on, you know, you take these guys a professional. If you were to stand at a professional event or a major or whatever and stand behind the tee box and look down at what they're looking at from the distance they're looking at and saying, oh, I got to hit a golf ball out there. And I can barely see the, I can see the fairway, but it's like, it's much more narrow than what I'm used to. Not to mention there's bunkers, like they're playing professional courses. So like there's in every landing area, there's typically bunkers everywhere. So you got to like land it around the bunkers. And when you, then you start seeing how quick the greens are. And then you start seeing the slope of the fairways and the greens. You're like, holy crap. And like the length of the rough, you're like, how do they, this is insane. And then you realize that they're shooting under par on this course. And you like have a, like the appreciation I have for professional golfers is beyond any sport that I can, because the it's like one of the toughest sports, and you can't rely on anyone else but yourself. But think, like you play college soccer, right? And call yeah. you play basketball in college or just no, soccer? Just call, just soccer. Okay, so college soccer is a step up from college or high school soccer, but absolutely. But I don't think you could get the appreciation of professional soccer because all the professionals. I mean, you could see certain aspects of it, but at the end of the day, they're playing relative to each other. Oh yeah. So they kind of blend in. So I always find that like, like I can watch football, but like I can't, I can't replicate and see how good Tom Brady is. Unless you like put me in Tom Brady's shoes and said like get the hike and then like you know look around and then try to make that pass as the guys are rushing. Obviously, it's very hard, but the appreciation for the fan, unless you're really deep in it, it's hard to really replicate. Golf, anybody can replicate. Like here's your clubs. Now go up and play that course they just played, and you're like, holy shit! Like I don't know how to get through this thing. Mm-hmm. This is gonna eat me alive. And so, back to my original story with the flop shot. So we get there, and I've seen Tiger Woods play multiple times. Tiger Woods, I've seen pull off some shots that I've never like. The thing with Tiger, the thing with professional golf, and I'll take Tiger Woods obviously because he's, you know, the greatest of them. Is yeah. if Tiger, some of the stuff that some of the shots that he played, 
like the shots that he played and pulled off, I physically, in my brain, mentally, whatever, could not even see the shot. Meaning his skill level was so good that I was like, yeah, he's just going to kind of like hit here or punch there or hit this shot out, punch out, whatever. And he hit this low shot under a tree that would rise up and hook left and land on the green. You're like, oh, I didn't even know that was humanly possible. And this guy just like, that was in his mind the whole time. And so we were up in Montreal. He was short sighted himself. He hit to the right. There was a bunker. The hole was in the front. The bunker was front right. So imagine number okay. Uh, uh, imagine playing number twelve at North Country, that par three. God, give me a sec. Oh yeah, yeah. On the back nine. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. so there's the bunker, short bunker, right. Yep. Kind of that it was a kind of a similar style green, a little wider, but like that, you could tell the hole was in the front, it was cut front. He gets up. There's a bunker there. The ball's sitting in the rough. He opens up the face and swings the swings the wedge as fast as he was swinging a driver. Like, just goes at That's it 100%. Hits, the ball goes straight up in the air, comes down a foot from the cup, and just lands there and taps in. And it was in the President's Cup. And, like, you're seeing this, and he just, like, gets up and he opens it, and his cut was, like, back and just whoop. Like, I mean, he went at it 100%, and this thing flew straight up in the air and dropped there. I'm like... They're insane. And I'm like, I'm like one, absolutely incredible, but, like, me, if I was to do that, or you, like, we would sit there and be like... I'm going to connect and I'm going to send this thing like 100 yards over. Yeah, he even, popped it like 30 yards or 30 feet in the air and dropped right next to it. I don't even see that's why you can't. That's why it's nice around here because you have if you if you take if you took that shot and didn't flop it and even like tried to land it over the sand and probably right in front of the fringe green anything, that thing is rolling. What's the other thing? No, like, they put so much spin on it. I know, and that's what's so frustrating. These guys, I don't know how they do it. I did it once actually at the was it at the tournament? It was at the tournament, or uh, we went and played a weekend before the tournament just to like play the course. This is my that was one of my second time ever playing the course. Oh, okay, all right. Um, North Country, you're about. yeah, yeah, North Country. Um, and I hit this shot. I bladed it. I was on the fringe, and I bladed it bad, really bad. I thought it hits the green once, and it hits the green again, and starts spinning like crazy. Backspin, backspin, and just like and stops. And like Nick, I think Nick Dowd was there. He was like. What the fuck? How'd that have so much spin on it? And I like kind of played off like, yeah, this is a new thing I've been working on. Um, little, little cut, little little cut thing. I've been, you know, I've been trying this out. Um, but like, I couldn't. Those greens are so just for. That's why it's so much harder to play these other courses like these PGA these PGA courses. You go up and putt. You have to like tap it here at Bluff and you know barracks and stuff. It, you're you're putting pretty hard on most greens yeah. and stuff. You go to these places and. You'd sail the ball like thirty feet by the hole. Like North Country, the ball rolls past very fast too. So like we like I play bluff mostly, sitting in the barracks. Bluff and barracks are typically slow. It's so like mm-hmm. greens are slow, and then you get up there. And like I went up a couple times and played prior at North Country when I was putting. You would have a putt like a ten foot putt that would just pass, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, it rolls out four feet, and you're like, oh, now I got a four footer coming back versus a foot and a half putt Literally. that I would have had a bluff. Yep. So there's there's some of that I think. Um, but a lot of it is like we put spin on the ball. I mean, spinning on the ball was just hitting down on the ball yeah. before you hit the ground. And when you come to wedges, a lot of most most amateurs they don't open the club face enough. You know, depending on the shot you're trying to yeah, play. Someone so, taught me that. Someone told me. So that if you're trying to hit too. the ball up, if you're trying to hit out of the sand, like if you're hitting out of the sand, number one thing is just open your club more. 
you know, aim a little farther left, open your stance, almost flop the club down. So it's almost like, yeah, yeah. it almost looks like you're going to blade into it and you just splash into the ball because the, it's the, 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 the technology of the wedge has that bounce and it has that like, uh, that flange. So what it does is it comes through the sand and it allows it not to dig. So if you come in straight, that leading edge is going to go into the sand and then that's when you get those chunk shots, which I was doing all beginning of the year because I'd open up slightly, but not enough. So then you really f- almost like completely flop it open. That's when you get those nice high so- shots. When you see pros like ripping at the ball and it pops up, it's because they have the club almost flat. Yeah, you just got to be that consistent like fall, uh, speed. That's what the I acceleration. Kept, yeah, that's what I kept messing up on. So I would try this. I, I knew what I should do. Mm-hmm. And then I go, there's no way I can take a full swing right now. I'm like 20 yards away like or whatever. There's no way I'm taking a full swing. Yeah. Gonna, and then you finally commit to it and you're like, oh, my God. And then it becomes like a field game at that point. So then it's just repetition over and over and over. Um, yeah. So I think it's great. I think uh, it's just a challenge. It's, it's fun. I, I used to play a lot of golf back in the day. I was like obsessed with just because it's like you want to get better at something. And then I went many years not playing. So now that I'm coming back into it, I'm like getting back into my tendencies of like, okay, I can I can get better at this. So it's fun. I hope to, I mean. It's a good old man sport. It's good. My, my goal, I really think. Maybe I'm naive, but I really think over time I can get down to, like, I, I would love to be a scratch golfer at some point, knowing that it won't happen next year, but knowing that it could happen in five years. Yeah. You just keep practicing, put a little more time and effort into it, and then you'd be like, okay, you know what? I can go out and play every course and be pretty much at level par, which would be fun. Imagine if we could play all year round. Well, so speaking of that, one of the, one of the things I've been looking at hard, like very hard, is a flight um like a flight launch monitor but a launch monitor that can also double up as a simulator and i have my eyes on a couple of them and ideally if i can get this and set it up in theory you can play almost because they're very accurate with what they track nowadays so if i was to swing it would actually track like hey i hit a seven iron 170 yards with this much spin at this much height and you can play like real life professional courses, mm-hmm. kind of like playing Tiger Woods, but you're actually hitting the golf ball yep. and it's actually taking your swing. And then in theory, you could play multiple, you could play around the golf without an, so like my thing is like, I'm contemplating buying it and forcing myself to go swing a few times a week and maybe play 18 holes once or twice a week. Yeah. And then oh, but you'd ha- be so much better, like consistently better. For the next for, like for actual the, golf season, for the, for the most part, yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. there's be some nuances. Obviously, you're not hitting for off sure. of grass, but like at the end of the day, it's but it treats it like grass. So if like, hey, it's going to show you that you're in the rough, and this is kind of what your lie looks like. Like, okay, I'm going to probably put it back in my stance a little bit, maybe you know, like club up or whatever you got to do. Like obviously, you're not going to open the face and sometimes and like yeah, because it's going to track your swing as yeah. it comes out. So then it's going to put it relative to whatever the lie is. Yes. So it's like, oh, if I want a tight lie. It's going to show I can get a little more spin on this if I hit it correctly. So. Um, if you can just swing a club though all year long, oh, you get so well. Even if you go down to Albany, they get they get about three to four weeks more on each end of the season. Really? So so, so think about it. If we go. So when do people start golfing around here? Maybe April. Yeah, okay. we golfed early this year. So April, May, June, July, August, September, October. We have seven months of golf, and I would argue take August and October, or um, sorry, April and October out. We have probably five solid months of golf weather permitting wedding permitted i would even say three solid two like decent like weather's not great but decent and then you have april and you have 
October, which is honestly depending on weather. Like it, like today was gorgeous, yeah. but we could have a crappy day. It rains, it's cold, windy, whatever. If you go down to Albany and you're talking two and a half hours south, two hours south, you're looking at they're starting easily early to mid-March and they're ending in uh, November. Wow. Is, is my I would put that up. I guarantee you that's, that's pretty spot on. Like, it, it, like our October is their November and, and our April is their March. So they get, I would say, instead of having seven, they could t- potentially have nine months of golf. Not, it's not Again, obviously a couple of those months are yeah, like yeah, not yeah. great, but they're decent months of golf. As long as you can play. I'll yeah, play in anything. As long as it's not pouring. Do you like rain better or wind? Or worse, I guess I should say. What would you rather play in? Where it's wind. raining or it's wind? I'm opposite. I'd rather play when it's wet. It depends on... Because the thing about wind is it only affects the ball's flight, which obviously is very crucial. But mm-hmm. at least you can semi-adapt when it's raining. It's like... Okay, so now my clubs are always soaked. And now the ball is always going to be wet. And now the greens are going to be extra slow. And yada, yada, yada. The ball won't roll as far anyways either. So like, do you not let the ball roll as far in the wind? Or do you not let the ball roll as far in... In the water. Depends on the rain, too. Like, yeah. how windy are we talking? How rainy are we talking? Is this a torrential downpour and, like, 60 no, no, mile but I mean, like, winds? If you were to play, like, in a rain like this, which I would say is, like, heavy-ish, but it's not, like, a downpour. I could play in that. But I would play in this versus 50-mile-an-hour winds. Have you been playing in the wind recently? Is that what you're asking? No, no, no. But I, w- I don't oh. like wind. It's been rough lately. Well, I, I don't mind, I, like, the ball flight and stuff, but it's just, it's like every shot you get up and it's just windy and it's just, like, I get tired playing in wind because... One, yeah. you're in the wind physically, but then two, it's like every shot, you're like, how's this going to affect? Rain doesn't affect your ball as much. It's not going to move it sideways. No, through the, no, no, no. And no. anything, the greens can soften up, and then you just start throwing darts. That is true. They do get very soft. Yeah, you and start, if you do hit the, that's something I've been working on this year is hitting the green in regulation, or at least just like... I'm still bad at that. I've been getting a lit... I would say a lot better from where I came. Not good, but better. Getting better? Yeah. I just want to golf so when I really put money down on my friends, I don't have to give them strokes anymore, and I can just play straight up and then win with like confidence. So, first year playing this, what was your thoughts? For the kids, Charity Golf Classic, year three. Amazing. Can I come back for year four? Yes. Okay, thanks. Yeah. No, formal invitation. Nice. Formal, formal invitation. Yeah, that um, was so fun. I've never played something like that before. What was your favorite part of it? I Or well, a couple of favorite things, like things that kind of stood out. I like... Best, the first match, what do you play? Best ball? Uh, right? Four ball. So four be, ball, yeah. best score of the two. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That was fun uh, because it was like super, super strategic. Like he was like, all right, well, you don't hit yet, Brady. Let this guy hit. Who's your partner? Um, it was Mike, right? Mike. Yeah. 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 Who's um, fucking nasty. Um, he, so like it was all strategic. Like, oh, let's wait for them to do this. Before you decide to putt, because they might do the most. It's like, it was all this stuff. And I'm yeah. like, Jesus. And then, alternate shot was fun, but it's absolutely ridiculous. It's tricky. I have never played alternate shot, and it was hard. Mm-hmm. It's the hardest one. It's so hard. Like, you feel bad every time you hit a bad shot for your teammate or whatever. Um, but what do you think about this? Alternate shot, but you drive, everyone drives every hole. And you pick the best of that. So, so it's that, not true alternate shot. So that's modified alternate shot. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you can do that. Like, they do that, um, like, the match. Have you ever seen the match? Yeah, they yeah, play, yeah, like, yeah. Phil and stuff. They always do an all. They, they typically do a modified alternate shot. Um, I mean, you can. The reason I don't in this 
is because I try to keep it as as pure to the Ryder Cup style as possible. I mean, it, is, it is. It's, it's, yeah, it's the best you can get. Yeah. And, and the mod, thing with the modified alternate shot, like in theory, both balls are out, so you can play it that way. Um, if we were to play it that way, we have to modify the handicap slightly because you don't get the same strokes. Because I did research on all this. So if you do a modified alternate shot, It'd be le- you get the less better strokes. team, I think, actually... Would get a stroke back, probably, right? I think they actually give up less strokes if yeah. you do a modified yeah. alternate shot. So you give up more strokes the way we play it. Yeah. But the reason I do it this way is because I, I do want to put a precedence that everybody's shot counts and matters. Because technically, if you both get... If you and I are on a team... We both say number twelve. We both have a shot into the par three, and I screw up. Well, then it kind of turns into like a like you have an like opportunity to bail me yeah. out. And my thing is, I want every shot to have a like. I want to make sure every shot is is thought out, and that every person playing is playing like because part of it too is it, it's alternate alternate holes for alternate shots. So yeah. if you tee off on ten, you tee off on twelve, and then fourteen and sixteen and eighteen. So there's strategy around what holes you oh, want that's to tee off. What I, that's what we did too. I had another strategy I had to do is I because I'm a lefty. Mm-hmm. And that's like a lefty course. So I had to ask, uh, what was his name? Is it Bryce? Bryce? Bryce Hansen? Yeah. Yeah. He plays a member there, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he, so we, I got, not paired up. I think I was paired up with him at the end. Well, you, you can tell if it's on the, is it for singles? Yeah, singles. And I played Knowles. Yeah, Hanson. Yeah, yeah, I did. And then I was like, you play here? He's like, yeah, all the time. I'm like, perfect. So I had him pick, tell me all the holes that were the dog leg lefts yeah. off the tee. And I just played the, I think it was like the evens or odds. I don't so, 13, so 13 and 16 both have a dog leg. But there was like a one more that made it. So I picked, I feel like I picked evens for some reason. No, I picked odds. So I did pick, yeah, because I hit on 13. You're right. I hit 11, on 13. 13. 11, 13. Yes, that's why. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's it was so strategic and so like you didn't think about that like just because I'm a lefty and that I have a better easier chance of slicing it around that. Stuff. Yeah, and it depends too. Like if we played number four, which is a very easy par five, but the way we played it was me and Jared played together. We both played all four, all of us played out. So we had me, Matt, Jared, and Ryan. Yeah, we all played out. Matt was out of the hole early. Like he he didn't play well. So Ryan was the best golfer in the group wasn't we weren't getting a stroke we're playing straight up so me and jared actually both hit the green regulation ryan hit the green regulation we both made pars and ryan made like a 25 footer for birdie to beat Jeez. us but in that format we like i remember one of us hit safe and then the other one was like and i i thought about going for it but i think when we did it i think because ryan was safe i'm like well we might as well have two versus one Versus me trying to be a hero and going for the, you know, taking a drive and trying to crush it yeah, over. Yeah. Um, and and it, we didn't end up, obviously it didn't work out. But it's like, it's it's a tough format because you start, obviously you have to hit the shot, but there's there's strategy to it. And the thing is for a lot of us, the, the cool thing about this tournament, it's not like a scramble. Like a scramble, I show up for a scramble with a group of friends, me and three other people. I'm there to drink, smoke, listen to music and have a good time. Sounds about right. Like, that's it. I don't care if we win. I don't care. I mean, I would like to hit good shots purely for the idea that I would like to not be, like, the weak link on the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still are going to try to play good, but you're going to have more fun than... Yeah, like, if I hit a bad shot, I don't care. None of us care. We miss a putt, don't birdie, whatever. It's not a big deal. This tournament, when you play, it's like, there was a different feel that day. Because everybody's kind of like, oh, I'm playing them. And then you're like, crap. Like, 
I got to actually play good because I'm not playing for the total score. I'm just playing as one person. And then, did you know that I asked if I could we could bring beers? Did you know that I had to ask that because I didn't know the vibe before I showed up? Oh, really? How compete? Like I knew, like you know, obviously it's for good, you know, good cause, good, good fun, whatever. Yeah. But the atmosphere behind it is it's a competitive match and like uh, taken seriously. Like, so I I was like, um, I think it's BYOB to the threshold that you want because typically, like, well, one starts eight in the morning, so like I'm sipping coffee for a while. And then I think, I think the only time I drink, I think I had one beer on the singles at the end. Well, yeah, because you were busy the whole time. Well, I was doing, I was doing, yeah, I was doing work, but I was like, I mean, doing work. I was like helping run the 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 tournament, but um, I don't think it's just one of those like it's competitive, and part of it is it's mentally more draining than a, a scramble. Scrambles are not mentally draining. No, you do the same thing every time. Like but you you're go with up. people and you're talking and you're hitting. And like in this tournament, you're like, okay, he hit a second shot. Okay, the hole's there. Let me hit now on this part because I might have to like bail out for an up and down and he's in trouble or she's in trouble. And like you're playing all these scenarios in your head, but mm-hmm. you're thinking. Like, and I feel that when people are playing this, they get way more like tunnel vision competitive. And, and there's a lot of, you have to, too. but think about how many people in that tournament played com, com, uh, competitive sports at some point in their oh, life. Yeah. And we don't get that anymore. So nope. to put you in a scenario where you're like, Oh, we're actually playing like for something. It'd be like, Hey, we're all playing pool today for money. And you'd be like, okay, I'm like actually going to try mm-hmm. or anything can jam, whatever. But like you play this and people are actually getting into it. I think that the level, the, the like the competitiveness was there. But then everybody really focuses on their own score. Because the other thing, too, is you don't want to be the person that loses like know, all your matches. That was horrible. Then you're like, oh, my God. I just like. I won we, one. I did win one. You were one and two? Yeah. I was, I, I was the same. I won the first and I lost the last two. Um, but it, it's, it, it's a lot of fun. And I think, you know, we're going to keep doing it. It keeps growing every year. Um, you know, and I think we're, we're at the. Uh, we've thrown around different ideas of things we want to do. Um, the day of tournament will always be the same. We're not going to. We're not going to uh, increase the participants a day of, but yeah, we've sure. thought about p- potentially doing play-ins to get in. We've thought, we've, we're tossing different ideas nice. around, but the day of that was perfect. The amount of players that like that's all we need. I don't want more players. Cause then you can't like add thirty-six players and then try to. I'm like, no, you can't keep adding players and doing the same format because then it's like, yeah, okay, add forty-eight players and you just make everything twice as long. Yeah, dude, but you don't get to, like the very long. Ryder Cup's only 12 and 12. Yeah. So it's the same thing. So exactly. It's, all, it's so all good. It'd be way too much if you had way too many more other people too. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you know what I just thought of for the kids? I work with kids. That's where I was going next. Oh. Do you want to talk about your... Oh, yeah. I like mean, what you actually do, what your day job is? Sure. Besides being a professional... Uh, Fiddlehead drinker and golfer. Fiddlehead drinker and amateur golfer. Average golfer. Yeah. Um, so I work at an early intervention preschool, which is a special education preschool. Uh, three to five. We're one of a few around that. Three to five years old? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we're on, we have four classrooms, um, and we are one of the few, not one of the few, we're a few, there's a very small number of us in this area that, um, so we take kids from the surrounding school districts, not just, so we're located in the old Kittyville, you know the old mm-hmm. Kittyville Elementary School? Yep. So that's where we're located, um, and we take kids from Saranac, Peru, Asable, Plattsburgh, Beekmantown, Cherubusco. You bust them all in. Yeah, so we work with First uh, First Transit. Yep. Um, 
they're like the only bus company that will drive like be able to do stuff like that like drive all over um because some of these schools don't have like they're called like well they don't have they're called 1201 classrooms so classrooms with 12 children with who are not typically developing mm-hmm. um some school districts don't have those classrooms so they look for other agencies slash schools like ourselves to take on those children and basically prepare them slash help them for kindergarten in such a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of fun. We're, so I'm the director. So I'm not in, so I'm actually in the classroom, all the classrooms at once. Cause I have to talk, you know, I'm the liaison between the parents and you know, the kids and stuff. So, so if they need to know something about their kid. I try not to have to get the teacher involved unless it's like an academic sort of type thing. What mm-hmm. if I usually can tell them like how their day was? Cause I know, cause I was in every classroom and stuff. Um, I have to be the behavior. What do they call it? Some, the, the, the diffuser sometimes of behaviors. Cause I yeah. know like the experience of how to handle certain situations with certain kids. Cause we have kids that come from everything, like every situation background of whatever you can think of. Um, and these kids are all th- only three to five years, years old. Yep. Okay. Yep, three to five. Um, maybe like I think there's like two. If you're like two turning three soon, maybe something. There's like a way, but it's mostly just three to five year olds. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, like I said, the diffuser of situations because I've been there for a long time and I kind of know how to handle kids in certain situations. Um, on top of that, I've been trying, you know, to get involved in like more grants and like more stuff. Cause the problem is that there's not a lot of money in agencies because like we don't get the, which is stupid. Don't even get me started on this topic. But like, so our teachers in stat, well, our teachers have the same qualifications as a teacher that works at, you know, a public school, but they don't get the New York state benefits. So like our teachers have to be same qualified, like the same qualifications, you know, nothing's different. There's nothing less. Um, but they don't get the benefits. So so they don't have the retirements. They don't have all that. No, I mean, we have our own stuff, you know, mm-hmm. obviously. But it's, it's hard to compete sometimes with, you know, a public, a public, you know, package. Public school package is really obviously good. The health insurance and stuff like that. You know, we write a letter every year, I guess, and say, hey, can you please consider that, you know, we're the same. Because we're classified as an agency, you know. I guess there's a school ID. You have to. A bunch of stuff. It's actually crazy. We actually, since we have three to five year olds, we're actually considered a daycare. But because we have five year olds, we're actually considered like school age mm-hmm. sometimes. Not school age, but so we have to follow daycare regs and school age regs. So if they throw out some regulations from the school, like the school regs, and it says, I don't know, kids can use hand sanitizer in school. And then the daycare regs come out and say kids cannot use hand sanitizer in school. I have to follow that. So, so that takes precedence over anything that's higher than the other. So I could like have two of them next to each other and I'm following like, let's say there's 20 rules just for mm-hmm. numbers sake. I could be following 10 rules from OCFS or the near like the daycare regs. And then I could be following 10 from the school and like have to like figure out which ones are more important than the like higher up than the others. So that gets tricky. So that's just something I have to do all the time. It changes every year, every day, every month. It's probably especially since COVID. New regs. Oh my gosh. It's yes. Um, it's stupid, but it's it's great. Um, 
I'm really trying to expand. I want to get bigger. I want to like, be like we have wait lists. You know, we just don't have enough classrooms. How? So employee retention is this teachers. is this a private entity? Yes. Okay. So how how does it work? Like okay, so how would like Adirondack Helping Hands own privately? How does this work when you talk about like growing it? So someone owns the company. Yeah. Director. Could I could I say like from maybe from like a like a C corporation kind of thing? Like are you or C suite? Are you like an S uh, like the CEO of the office kind of thing? Like so, director? Like you run the day to day? So I deal with yeah I deal with the in school all operations going on in school and New York state regs. Like mm-hmm. I'm the person with New York state. I'm the preschool, New York state. Well, the director of the preschool, but I deal with New York state. And then there's like, uh, some school, some school type regs and like, you know, the, you're a business guy, the, the, the numbers and the other business mm-hmm. stuff, the that, financials and stuff and a bunch of other stuff that the two owners do, but they hold the credentials to allow us to be called in special education, uh, preschool slash agency. Um, they have to have certain credentials and like in a master's degree in something. Um, I don't know exactly what it's called, but so they're there and I just run the actual like daycare slash school part of it and keep track of teachers and the hiring of teachers and yeah. So, yeah, okay. yeah, so yeah. you're pretty much like the operations you're running like yeah. the day to day of that. So if you, like when you talk about expanding, like what, what's, is there opportunity for you guys to grow? Is there opportunity for you to bring in more kids? Is there opportunity to have bigger space? Oh, for sure. The only reason we don't is because, well, so we're contracted like through the county. Mm-hmm. So the county gives, so we don't like, so that's what also sucks is like we don't, we can't go out and say, hey, here's an enrollment form, like sign up to come to our school. It's not like that. The school districts will do evaluations or, well, yeah, the, I think it starts with pediatricians recommend to said school districts for an evaluation of some sort. And then the school districts will either a do the evaluation themselves or B ask an agency like us to do the evaluation based on that rating. You determine or do the scores if you know, they're qualified for a classroom or whatever. So there is always a list. The only thing is, and there's the County like will keep giving us people, but the only problem is, is one obviously money. So that's why I'm working Working with, with, with the grants. And yeah, it's called Quality Stars. It's a whole. I just actually did like a 45 million page report. Thank God that's over. But um, so what was I saying? <laughs> I said, like, how do you grow? Like, how would it come? Oh, oh yeah. no, no, no. So, so, so the problem is, is the with the money. Um, well, there's not when so we can grow, but we have to ask the daycare or the New York State for everything we do. So like I just pulled out, for example, I've had an improvement plan or like walls and storage and all this shit we're trying to put up. But she, well, I have to send them the sketch. They have to send it to the fire people, fire and safety people. They send it back to her. They, she sends it to me, says if we're allowed to do it. Then she has to come for a scheduled site visit to observe it. And then she brings the fire people after they observe it and then they approve it. So to expand and get bigger anyways, like there's a process on doing that if we wanted to build. So say we just wanted to move to a bigger place. Employee retention. There's not, first off, there's not, I mean, you probably know, there's not a lot of people look, I mean, I don't know if people are not looking for jobs or what jobs, are, but there's a lot of jobs. Oh, there's a lot of, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a hiring issue. Yes. Yeah. So we can't find teachers. It's hard to find teachers right now. Very, very hard. 
So I could probably fill a whole two other classrooms, but I don't have two other teachers. Gotcha. Or, so it's, it's, so it's more like uh, it, it's more like staff positions than it is actual yeah, demand. And yeah, but and then it's also like we have a, like our core group of people that work for us are just like really like what they do and like like our philosophy, like our approach, like we're very you know validating and like caring and um like they, the kids play like the the kids work as their play basically. We have a pretty fun and like philosophy of how we work with kids. Um, so we keep good people that just like what they do. Um, but you know, sometimes it's like, oh yeah, I could go work for a public school and you know, I have all the health, yeah, you know, healthcare plan and all that stuff. But it's not like, it's not like, you know, it doesn't, you don't not get, it's not like you're not well taken care of, you know, working at, you know, where I work, but it's just, it's just hard to compete when you have the same, like, it's like someone telling you, you have your realtor's license, but the person in Vermont with their realtor's license can get way more than that. It's just like, I don't understand why it's it, it, it well, it like having your real estate license and saying you could only sell and buy land. Yeah. Like you can't do houses. You'd be like, well, why not? I'm so qualified to do that. Like I can qualify to sell anywhere. Like, but if you worked for this place, you could like, yeah. it doesn't make sense. So yeah. it's just a struggle, but I don't know. We, it's good. We, the people that we have are good. So that's why it's good. To, I mean, employee retention sometimes is hard because of that, but mm-hmm. The people who you do keep are usually ones that you keep. Like we've had people who are there for like thirty-five years, forty years. We've had so many people retire, which and this started I think like twenty-one odd years ago, twenty-two years ago. My aunt and her friend just got together and started a little school on Margaret Street with like four or five, not a lot of kids, and then now we're a full-blown school. So your aunt owns a company, or one of yep. them? Yep, one of my aunts owns it, and um, well, I guess my. Yeah, my aunt Katie Calkins and then Bridget Benware. Okay, I don't know if you've ever heard of either of them, but I I uh, I don't think so. But um, I knew there was two ladies that owned it. So it's so. At how many how many students do you have right now? Fifty six. And is this? Do, can people go to the school? Do they have to pay extra, or do they have to pay? Is it part of like there's taxes and stuff? It's just, just free. Yep. Okay. Fully funded. So as long fully. as they qualify and they can. Yep. Um, so we start talking about wait lists and like early intervention preschool are most of these children, like you said, kind of like uh, late state or, um, short, uh, I should say slower development or behavioral issues or anything, everything, that- everything you just said, it could be, you know, um, aut- it could be from just like autism and down syndrome to a speech delay to a speech and an occupational and you know behaviors um it's like a huge so we have two sides we have a 12 on one and a 6 on one it's called 12 on one has 12 children per teacher yeah but there's a teacher teaching assistant aides mm-hmm. speech therapist occupational therapist physical there's a ton of people um at one time but yes 12 in a room with the teacher um 12 kids to who are um, not typically developing. And then the other side is eight kids who are still like, you know, they kind of just their scores qualify them to be in a more challenge inducive classroom with more with typically developing children. So the other six kids in that room are typically developing community kids that actually come from surrounding UPK program. Mm -hmm. So, so we kind of work with both. We work with like, you know, the 
lowest of the lowest of developmentally and, you know, help them. And we also work with, you know, like some people think if you like, we work at a special education school, like the kids are just going to go to another special education program. It's just the whole life. We have a lot of kids that like we've helped just developmentally get to where they're supposed to be that they can just, they, they qualify for typically developing classrooms when they leave us. So that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool to see. That's cool that we get to see a lot of these kids, you know. So you could have, um, hypothetically, a kid for what, three years? Three, four, and five? Two is usually max, but three is can be if they're like birthday falls, like December. So most kids, it's two years. Yeah, mostly. Okay, yeah. so and then at that point, the, like you said, the goal is they go to, hypothetically, Morrisonville Elementary, but they can get immersed in the regular classroom with yep. the, everybody else. Yep, that's the goal. And uh, so... When you when you bring on like in order to get to the school, does a, you know does the parents have to fill out some kind of application? Does, do you have to do an assessment? Do you have to like how does a kid get accepted into the school? Yeah, so we um, so the county so the there's there's a lot so there's a county the county kind of runs everything. Okay, and then the districts is this like BOCES? Kind of, yes. Okay. Bosi's actually, they their secretary actually kind of, she runs like a lot of the, like Beekman Town, Nassibo, like area, like the kind of assigning kids to places. Like the county will give her kids, I think. Mm-hmm. And then she will go, okay, this is what I have. This school has this amount of spots. This school has this amount of spots. Um, so basically, like I said, the, I think typically our parent could be concerned and request evaluation or... The pediatrician, um, you know, recommends an evaluation. Child gets an evaluation based on the scores, speech, occupational, developmental, cognitive, whatever it is. That all gets taken, sent to the school districts, and then they make the IEP, which is the individual um, education plan. So if you have an IEP, it's just a, I would say like a 12 to like 14 page literal documented plan for a child on how like goals and their scores and how they need to be approached and what they need, like where they're lacking and stuff like that. So then once they make the IEP, they'll send the, they'll send the stuff to us. So like I said, they'll send it a Adirondack Helping Hands has some openings and we fill up quick. So once the summer is over, spots come in and we don't do anything. They just send them to us and then we situate them and figure it out. But we don't even have to no enrollment, no, like special request, like nothing. So that makes it hard because people call and they're like, well, I can't get into any place. And that's what sucks is there's a wait list. Mm-hmm. So some kids don't get in ever. Now, all, all the kids that go, though, would be qualified or deemed as, you know, mm-hmm. slower development, yeah. whatever it might be. So, um, so there is, there's like a, a level where they have to, I say qualify, but they have to show at some point that they, this is a place they'd need or some place that would help them out. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. So you could you could qualify like you can qualify for like special education services, but like maybe it's at your home. So we have itinerant therapists too. So we're we're also a pro like a like a this early intervention preschool that has classrooms, but we also send out itinerant staff, um, which are just like at home therapists, like speech therapists, occupational therapists, all them. We can send them to, so like a child who needs all these like services, but might not benefit from being in a classroom quite yet because they're not ready. 
they could qualify for these itinerant services instead. Okay. And then a kid, they're like, okay, but then this kid over here, you know, he's a little more sociable. I think he just needs a little more help and push. He should be in the classroom and receive the services in a classroom setting rather than that. So we try to make sure we can get as many as we can, but the problem is there's not enough people. There's so many people that are requiring services that I don't think are getting them, which sucks because when you get some of these kids you give services to, once you, you stop at one point, like the goal is not to give services their whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, so need more people. Need more staff. Go be a special education teacher. So, please. so is there a limit or is there a low level rate? I say low um, amount of special education teachers out there in this area. It's just hard. Any anything like aides, paraprofessionals, speech there, like everyone. Just every. It's is just it because you're getting snatched up by the public schools? Some of it is, yeah. and then just I think some of it too is like, who knows? Maybe COVID. People don't want to work in schools. I I, I don't know. I don't know. So you're seeing like a a lower level of um, applications for jobs. Yeah, it's tough. Like this year has been tough uh, marketing towards app, like getting people to apply. Um, like I just spent a little more money this year on that than I've used than I think we're used to. Mm-hmm. Um. Because it's just crazy. I don't know. I've never seen. How, what, what's the staff right now? How many people roughly? In-house, I think we have like 36. That's, that's quite a bit. Yeah. It seems like quite a bit. I mean, for, like I said, it's for four classrooms and everything. And there's yeah. like a lot of people. And then in total, probably like the 40, maybe like low 50s range. Maybe, maybe my numbers are off. But you could probably guess that there's about six people per classroom to so okay but that's just but that's that's in classroom that's not that's counting like any staff people's, that's not yeah. counting like cafeteria that's not counting like janet so i'd say like 30 yeah like okay. 30 35 and then like 40 45 altogether um so it's almost one-to-one teacher to student or or staff to student maybe maybe one to yeah. yeah but some yes yes but they're not always in the you wouldn't know that because they're not always in, so like i'm counting myself in there and like yeah. other people um it's like some rooms just have like a teacher a teaching assist like a teacher two teaching assistants and one aide mm-hmm. so there's four and then like in and out will be like the occupational therapist yeah. services and speech therapists they kind of rotate through and go yep so yeah staff. and you do all the scheduling and all the logistics and moving stuff around um not the scheduling of their stuff. They get to take care of that because it's so. But like frequent. classroom time and who's in what and where. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah, like the actual like flow of the day and like that stuff. Yes, and like if there's stuff going on, like okay, you can't go in here at this time because this person needs to do an evaluation at this time. And sometimes like we have parents, like like I said, there's not a lot of places around, so we have sometimes people who drive from like. I mean, I know Malone's not super far, but it's to us. drive to Mal- from Malone to here to get like an hour, hour and a half evaluation because you can't get it anywhere else. So sometimes I have to like block off a room to do that. So space, you know, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot when, you know, um, money. how long you been there? Oh, I worked there my senior, I think the summer of my senior year of high school, I started. Um, oh, so this has been, but then oh. off and on. So obviously cause I went to college obviously. So, yeah. so I worked every break and every summer for the whole year. And then I started full time in 2019. May of 2019. Uh, what'd you go to college for? I have a business degree and a minor in biology. 
only because I couldn't decide what I wanted to do. And I had so many freaking credits in biology that I just turned it into a minor and it worked out that way. So not because I know anything about biology. Um, I know, isn't that funny how college works? Nothing. The, the, uh, so was that the plan to go back to Adirondack Helping Hands or was that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Because, or I should say, at what point in college did you realize like that's kind of what you wanted to do, or was it outside of college before you? you well, I just that? was good at it. I was just good working with kids because at first I was just in the classroom working with you kids. One of these? Yeah. What do you got right now? I'm done. Okay. Always got time for another one. Well, I know it's a no, no. You're good. You're good. You're good. I, I was like, I know um, these are a little, little delicate on the. Uh, I know the pop off here. What'd you just ask me? Stop. Stop. Oh. Stop. You know what? I saved so, it though. I saved it. You know what the rule is though here? I don't mind the table as much as I'm on the couch. You spill stuff on the couch, I get my, my anxiety goes high. You spill stuff on the table, it's not a big deal. Well, at least I didn't spill it on the You know the what's table. crazy is that if you spill stuff on the couch, it leads a stain. Here I got a bunch of equipment. Probably worse, but it's all good. Hey, you know you could uh I could you could be your I could be your next uh Oh look at that. I like that. Yeah. The uh well, the shamrock a nice couch. Um, you want to know, actually, you know, what's funny. So I bought that couch. I think soon after we moved in here, cause I just thought it'd be cool to have a couch and I don't know why, like it really serves. Actually, you know what? It's a green couch. I shouldn't even say it serves. It serves a huge purpose because there's so many people that just like, that's where they chill. Like if I have a meeting in here, cause we have a conference room we have here. Yeah. So there's two, two places that I typically meet with people. So I had a meeting before this, we were in the conference room, but then I had a meeting right before or no before that and here which is a one-on-one with an agent and they just sat on the couch and like i find that it's kind of a chill environment so if i have stuff people just like chilling on the couch and i don't know it's green it's about as cavanaugh of a green as i could find yeah i've never seen a couch that so green. i bought that couch about two years ago off of wayfair and you never know what you're getting oh, on the Anna, don't get her started well on no no she so told you we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> cut this part out so she doesn't buy any more crap but so but I bought this on Wayfair, and it was like three hundred bucks. That's nothing. And I thought for a couch, I'm like, that's that's a cheap. And and then I got it. I'm like, this thing's gonna be a piece of shit. And I got it. I'm like, this is really nice. The other cool thing is it actually folds out into like a day bed. What the hell for three hundred bucks? So this that thing folds out, so I can actually sleep on that like a bed if I wanted to. We, I've never spent the night on. We it, bought but. a sectional for like twelve hundred dollars off Wayfair, and it came, it came one. Without the directions. No, no, the wrong directions. The directions to a different couch. And then the wrong, like, the, what do you, screws. Mm -hmm. So then, so then Anna's, you know, the Karen in her, she calls. I've heard about your Karen lately. Oh, we have another, oh. You heard, heard about we have well, a, oh, that's, another, it through the that's another story. We have, oh, maybe we can talk uh, about that. If, maybe, if you don't want to get me in trouble, yeah. Well, that's fine. I can talk about, gosh. Yeah, no, keep going. Finish okay. this one. So Anna, Karen. as yeah. in Karen, um, so she calls and she's like, listen, this is the wrong directions, yada, yada, yada. Like, what's going on? Okay, whatever. They sent her either the new directions or they sent like the, one of the wrong pieces of the cat, like something stupid again. They sent something wrong. but they, So Anna got like $200 off after that first call. And then, so they sent the stuff, the new stuff or whatever. I, I put the couch together. It's broken. So it's like, it's like put together, there's like one piece that just completely split. So now she's absolutely livid and calls back again and is like, I just got this couch. Like, this is crazy. She's like, at this point, I don't even want the couch. Yada, 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 all this stuff. 
And she literally got them to take, I think, another four hundred dollars off. So it's six. So we. So the couch was like six fifty, seven hundred bucks after tax. It was twelve hundred, I think. And not only that, they sent us a brand new one. Just a brand new one. Wait, wait. So and you, told us to throw the other one away, which you won't do. Which all I had do, all we had do is her freaking fixer up cousins who can fix anything and all that whole family. One of them, I think it was Liam, Liam, shout out Liam, yep. came over, just screwed in the wood piece together. Cause like, all right, fixed it. So we just got a free couch for half the price. I mean, with a little so stare and a free, and a free couch. Yeah. We just, I sold it. So basically paid off the couch. Isn't that crazy when they just, when that's typically what those, cause they got to think about the profit margin for them. And they're like, this is more of a hassle to deal with. Let's just take it. We don't even want it. Yeah, but that's what I'm trying to say is that I bought a $1,200 couch expecting some decent quality. Yeah. And got a piece of shit. Oh, I bought a $300 were... couch, like just knowing like, this is probably be a piece of shit and then it, like whatever. And honestly, not a bad, like if you sit on it, I'm like this is actually a decent couch and it folds out. It's a day bed, which I don't know why I bought that because like, I had no intention of ever like actually Crashing using it, it as a day bed. Yeah, <laughs> like I've never done that. I've napped on that couch, I think twice ever. One was early in the morning. I went to the gym, came here, was doing some stuff, sat down, started to read for like 20 minutes, and I fell asleep for like 40 minutes. And then another time I felt like crap, and I slept from like 2 to like 3 o'clock on a day. And that's it. I've had it for over two years now. Well, it's but good not to sleep on the job, I guess. You know? it, it's good. Every once in a while, I'm like, I'm like, I could take a power nap. But I know as soon as I close my eyes and lay down on that, I'm like, this feels amazing. Somebody's going to open the door, knock. Someone's going to, like, it's just never going to work. Yep. Unless I'm here randomly by myself one day, which if I am, chances are it's early, early, early in the morning. And I'm just, like ramming through stuff and then I go home. Yeah. So like I never use it. But, um, and I very rarely ever sit on it too. Every once in a while I'll sit on it. If I'm like on a long call, it's like sit. And then I get weird and I stand up and go in my chair. It's a nice couch, though. Three hundred bucks. Uh, yeah, wow. I, I I was happy. You could I probably actually, resell that on Craigslist for like six hundred. Oh, I bet easily. Yeah, easy. It's crazy. Which it actually be good business. Just buy a bunch of Wayfair stuff and resell it. I actually, when I opened it, I sliced. You can't see it because my aunt's a really good seamstress. But top left corner, I sliced it with a, with a Stanley knife, opening the box like a box cutter. Oh, and put this big slice in it. All the cushiony, like the white cushiony, like was popping out. Looked like it was terrible. So she stitched it all up to the point where you can't even tell. I mean, you can tell if you go up and look at it, I but like from even, here, you can't, can't tell. tell. So I was like, thank God, because I got, I was like, oh, I spent all this money, got this, and then freaking cut right through it as I was opening the box. Um, you know, it was good. So, um, so back to yeah, we're college. Did... So, no, oh, yeah, college. So you came out. You said you were good at working at uh, North Country Kids. You want yes. to get back into North Country Adirondack Kids. Adirondack Helping Hands. Or sorry, Adirondack Helping Hands. Shout out. Other local place. Not True. the same place. Adirondack Helping Hands. You ended up getting out of college. Knew you are good at that. So that was a pretty much a shoe-in that you wanted to get into that? Yeah, I just knew I was good at it. And like, I wanted to get do the... I was working in the classroom more. Like, I did everything. Like, I didn't just go from like... Like, I didn't just get the director job. I started out as an aide. You know, like one-on-one -on -one working with a kid. And then I was an aide. And after school and before school, I was like literally like the secretary's assistant. So I would just, so I could find out the ins and outs of like everything that goes on. So for when I, because I had in my mind that I wanted to keep going. Mm -hmm. So in my head, if I like, you know, one, I wanted to work more hours to make more money. But two, in my head, 
if I knew a little piece of everything, then it would be easy. So like, I know every single piece of filing. Like I know how, like I don't do the billing for like the, but you could, but I could, if I needed to, if someone was out, like, um, yes, yeah, so you're cross trained and everything. Yeah. I don't handle like, so I'm supposed to handle mostly just the daycare, like the actual school stuff and the parents and like the teachers and like what goes on during the day. But I can answer questions from the county regarding like evaluations and our services for kids who don't go to the school and like all this stuff just because I've done it before. Mm-hmm. So that was a goal. So I didn't just one day say, yeah, I'm the director. So I kind of worked my way up and then I realized I keep liking it. And then I was like, all right, let me get more on the business side of it. And yeah, that's just where I'm at. Um, I'm pretty good with kids and parents see that. So I think that's what is helpful. Like, and maybe honestly, a lot of, I, I mean, it's just the way it is. There's just not a lot of males in this particular setting. Mm-hmm. And I think just having a male figure sometimes like around like a bunch of like, cause it's well, a bunch of, I, I remember as a kid, um, like you don't even go to elementary school. Yeah. Typically I would find that elementary, at least historically, I mean, maybe it's different now when I was in school was primarily female. Like, of course you go through and I would say you could argue if I'm going through all my teachers right now, the first time I had a male teacher, I had two male teachers, my fourth grade year in school. And they were the only male teachers I had from kindergarten through sixth grade. And then once you got the seventh grade, junior high, then I started having some, like my because you have more, yeah, yeah, my, like my math teacher might have been a male, my my tech teacher, my like my history teacher, like you started bouncing around. But elementary was pri- primarily female, and I remember every once in a while you would get a, a male teacher, and then it depended on the person. I remember a couple, like I went to Shay Z, a couple people that went to Shay Z were teachers that were at Shay Z. You get like a male teacher in the elementary and people seemed like they really, that was like different, but it was, it was a good contrast. You know, if you had two teachers, male and a female, it was nice to bounce around from both because I think it does open, it's kind of like the same thing, like parenting. It's like, of course, you know, when you have mom and dad at home or male, female, you add different layers versus a single mom or a single dad. Mm -hmm. And it's just human nature. I mean, we like, there's stuff my wife is so much better at than I am. There's stuff that I'm better at and it, but it it balances us out and it, you know, I think it gives a well-rounded view to both of our kids. And, you know, I think it's, it's different perspectives too, because, you know, now we're getting to the age where like the kids will come up to us and like, they know they're starting to get to like what parent to ask stuff. Cause they're like, and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely falling into the dad role of like ask your mother, but like it's uh, but when you start, you start finding that we just bring a, something a little bit different to like the, the, the parenting aspect and it, it works. I mean, you just kind of, you figure it out as you go, but you know, there's certain things and I'm, I'm assuming like teaching is the same idea. Like if you're like seeing you in the hallway and again, I'm ballparking, but my guess is that your school is primarily female. When you look at the male to female ratio that yep. sometimes like, Hey, a male teacher for some of these kids, it's like, and some of these kids maybe not have a father figure at home, you know? So it's like, Hey, exactly. a male, male role model, I can attach to Brady cause he's, or Mr. Channel cause he's, you know, Mr. Brady, first name basis at our Mr. Brady. I like yeah. that. So Mr. Brady, but they could like, Hey, Mr. Brady's like, you know, my father figure kind of deal when oh, the kids sure. don't have it. I'm sure you've run into that. Oh yeah. Like broken oh, homes and things like that. That's all the time. Um, and the best part is I don't like walk around like not big scary guy. Like I actually go into the rooms and they're like, Brady, like, oh. like I, I go and we'll play with, like I'm going to play with kids or interact with them and see yeah. what they're doing. And you know, I'm in there observing. You build that relationship with them. That's all we do is build relationships. Cause we can't do how the hell are you supposed to accomplish anything if you don't have a relationship with the kid? Well, also at three, four and five years old, like my son, it's three and a half. He's almost four. Um, and I look at him and like, 
he goes to preschool and I look at like the preschool and like they give us a write up every day and it, you know, we kind of glance through it and it's kind of like the older kids did this, the younger kids did this. We went out and played outside. We read these books. These, these were good sleepers, good resters, whatever. But I mean, right now he's learning stuff, but is more than what he's like actually learning. He's learning the social aspect. Oh my god! And that's all yes. it is. Like I, yeah. like I looked at it. I don't care if he like, so him being the oldest and always being home, never going to daycare. My wife's take care has taken care of all the kids. Is that when he goes to school, I just want to see him put in a scenario where he has to deal with other children. He has to learn how to share. He has to learn how to other personalities. Right. He has to learn how to like problem solve his own issues. You got an issue with a kid, figure it out, kid. Like, yep. Like you can you can run to me and, and you know come up with like, hey, I, you know, you know, so and so did this. I'm like, oh, all right, well, figure it out. Like you guys, we all did as kids. Like you get over, you have. You have issues. If two kids can solve an issue together, that's better than me solving it for them. For sure. You know, and so I look at at, at the young age, like those kids are like sponges and they just need to be with people. And, and it's not necessarily do they know their ABCs and one, two, threes and all that stuff like that. They'll get that eventually. They'll mm-hmm. get the colors. They'll get that. But it's like the interpersonal skills of, hey, can you talk to a teacher? Can you be respectful? Can you say please? Can you say thank you? Can you do, you know, can you share? Like all these things that I look at, I'm like, that is what... And we're starting to see stuff that's good, and then he comes home, and then it's like, but we're starting to see him grow. He's only been going for a month, and it's like the, what he's been doing over a month, he's like he's leveled up as a kid. Oh, yeah. And like I'm, I'm assuming by the time we hit June that he's going to be this totally different kid that started at three. Then my daughter goes next year, which will be fun to watch because she's a little, she's a little ball of energy. But she'll <laughs> she'll end up going. But it'll be fun to see her, you know, kind of grow with them together but not like they'll still be separate and have other friends and so it's 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 eye-opening for us as parents but it's kind of cool when you start to see these kids like adapt and start to kind of turn into their own little person and then it's 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 weird but it's still fun because you're like at the end of the day as a parent you want your kid to grow you just want your kid to get better and um you know just just to kind of evolve as a person as we try to do still as adults it's like every day if you wake up every day and don't try to get better, then you're kind of wasting the day. And it doesn't have to be substantial. It could be like that analogy of 1% better. But I find that at the kid level at this age, because they're so ripe just to learn that the the growth aspect, I'm sure when you see a kid come in day one to when they leave the school two years later, they're a completely different person. It's insane. Yeah. It's cool. Dive a little deep. Like, so we, like, we'll have kids that they just want something or... They don't even know they're mad, mm-hmm. so they're screaming and freaking out. Okay, we don't. Our philosophy is not like, like okay, like stop screaming, You're, like stop screaming, like we don't scream. It's all validation. So it's like we're smart enough to understand this kid is probably upset because he kid took uh, his block. Or kid toy. took his block. Wouldn't you be pissed if someone took your thing and you didn't know any better? Like someone took your something that you thought was yours. Mm-hmm. So we work to, so we first, we like validate, like, you know, like, okay, like I know you're upset. Like you really wanted that block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Validate them. Bring them down first and then explain to them what's going on. Like we never talk to kids when they're at, you know, that red zone. Mm-hmm. Bring them down first. Kind of dive a little deeper and then like expl- try to explain to them, you know, at such a level that you can. Like, so when you're mad, instead of screaming, why don't you just tell him you don't, you know, you want that block back. Like you can be mad. That's fine. But, you know, ask for, so a lot of, there's a really, really like, strict not like we're not strict but a strict approach that we like a protocol we have an approach that we are make sure our staff strictly follows that's what i'm trying to say um 
because it works. The philosophy works. Mm-hmm. So, and we've seen it not work. We've seen like a group buy into the philosophy and like buy into like, you know, this isn't like bing, 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 bing. Like there's no always right, wrong, right, wrong, right, wrong. This, that, like just let kids be kids a little bit and like help them understand, you know, what's going on. And we've had some people not do it that way. And their rooms are the ones that were not as successful as the others. Yeah. Um, well, I think too, when like we, I had a friend one time tell me like high emotion and I, I try and it's tough because parenting, like parenting is the hardest job you'll ever have. Like it, it, it takes more like work. This is easy for like, I, it's a challenge. It, it, it like makes me think it makes me like try to produce and do stuff, but I can handle most work stuff when you're with dealing with kids. Like, I get mentally drained when I'm with my kids and I love, I absolutely love them. But there are certain times like at the end of the day and any person has a kid that understands this. Like there's a certain time at the end of the day where you're just like, I just mentally have to check out. Like I just, they've been crying, whining, screaming, doing whatever. And it's not all day, but it's like spurts and then it wears on you. So then I look at my friend had said like high emotion, like these, these kids have emotion that they don't know how to deal with. So then you as the adult, have you know you have the you know understand what you're doing so i really try to kind of keep my cool the best i can am i perfect at it absolutely i mean no like i mean any parent that says yes they're lying like you you lose your cool you kind of like and that's where like me and my wife are good it's like if i'm to the point where i'm about ready to snap or crack same thing with her like she'll know like i'll come walking out of one of the rooms and i'm just like i you go to handle it like i'm literally about to lose my shit and and a lot of it's just their tantrums or whatever, and you just can't reason with them. And like my yep. son tonight has a con- ten- tendency to like stiffen up and just like almost shake, like convulsion of this like upset. And you got to take that and, and slowly let them break it down. And then 15 minutes later, he'd be totally fine. He'd mm-hmm. be laughing, playing, but it's like that one time he just doesn't know how to manage that emotion. So then you're like, okay, like, like you said, let's, let's diffuse the situation. Let's like, what's, what's wrong? Well, Oakland took this. Okay, well, that was hers. Like, and I say hers, meaning she, that's, we know that's Oakland's doll, toy, whatever. Like, she's playing with it. I said, like, did you take it from her? Because she was playing with it. And you start to, like, dissect it and then try to, like, and then you get to the point where he's, like, you know, upset. And then, like, are you upset? Like, what's, what's wrong? Well, I want this. Well, can you play with this? Can you do this? Can, can you, you give try, alternatives and redirect? Kind of get their mind thinking mm-hmm. something else. And sometimes when you just ask them a question that has nothing to do with what you're, you're talking about, like, hey, what do you want for dinner tonight? Uh, I, 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 I want a hamburger. Okay. Do you, what do you want on the hamburger? They just get them away from that so they forget mm-hmm. what they're talking about. And a lot of it, sometimes it happens, like at least my age kids, it's like you can you can really just kind of throw them a curveball and then all of a sudden that's their focus because they're not really upset about anything. They're just like they can't... Like, they don't know what they're upset about. Or yeah. they do. They just... And their emotions yeah. are so like, they're like, ah, I just, just want to yell and scream and something's bothering me but I don't really know what it is and how to yeah. deal with it. And it's like, hey, hey man, like relax. So it's trying to be that patient and... Like, I think anybody that deals with kids, like, I, I don't know two fields that I don't know if I could physically handle. Number one is medical, just because I'm not like a, oh, yeah. like, I, I just don't, like, I just don't have the stomach for it. And it's just like, whatever. But I think it's great. People that do it, fantastic. And then people that work with kids. I'm like, I love my kids. I don't know if I really want to hang out with other people's kids. Like, not that I don't like their kids. It's just like, at the end of the day, I, I'm watching my kids, making sure they're good. But they take so much out of me along with the rest of my life that like me taking on more 
of that. I'm like, I just couldn't deal directly with kids. So, so as I say, the a lot of our teachers say, or a lot of our teachers have kids at home, and they say, they're like, oh man, I go home, you know, I have to deal, you know, I have my kid at home. Because a lot of them have young kids, so they're dealing with three to five, and then you go home to a three to five. Oh year yeah. Old. So it's different. And a lot of them say the same phrase. This is the phrase I always hear. It's sometimes when I go home, I just remember to keep my teacher hat on. That's what they always say. Cause like you want to like turn into like mom, mom or not even just mom. You just want to be like, stop doing this, stop doing that. But then some of them are like, some of them have really been like, Oh, like what the philosophy and approach and the techniques that we take to help these children aren't just for these children. Like it works and like a parental aspect anyway. So mm-hmm. they're like, you know, put their teacher hat back on and say, okay, well, so-and-so, do you want to do this or do you want to do this? Like you can pick your choice. Like just, but you can't, do, it's just like a whole different mm-hmm. vibe. But they have said how, I mean, thank God I don't have kids. Sometimes I went home and took a nap the other day and I don't know a lot of people that can probably do that. Yeah, it's, it's a luxury. Yeah. My God. But uh, they, they say it's tough to literally work with kids all day and then go back to kids. That's your own kid. Yeah. Who... Someone what? else has been taking care of the all day too before that. And well, I think it's it's the uh, like kids are are tough because they demand so much out of you. Um, but like like well, like my my typically my day is like I wake up morning. It's like my son usually wakes up about the same time I wake up. So like I kind of do his little morning routine and then kind of do like a semi morning routine. Then like get ready and then I bring him to school and then I'm into work and then I go home and it's. Either depending on the time, it's like fixed dinner or clean up dinner. And then, you know, my wife's very good about doing the baths and stuff. I usually clean up like the kitchen and the dinner and just kind of keep everything like try to get it back to baseline for the next day day. before (laughs) it gets like crazy again. So, you know, I end up like when I get home, I typically spend my, I would say five, six o'clock to eight thirty. It's cleaning, it's picking up, it's cooking, it's drying off it's changing it's you know feeding it's reading bedtime stories and going to bed like You're my like 5 five thirty to like 8 eight thirty. like that is three hours every day without fail monday through sunday like so when you look at it like some days you're just like i i just i have to just like get away and it's tough like you try to fi- pick stuff here and there and like sometimes on the weekends like i'm just gonna do yard work and like zone out in a podcast because i just need to like get away from my mind running it is tough, it, but I think, you know, dealing with kids, at least for you, like I said, not having kids, but, you know, maybe having kids in the future, it's like you kind of have, you know, a little bit of a balance. Like, hey, I know what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, a lot of people, when they have kids or don't have kids, like, like what's your, what's your uh, advice when you have kids? I'm like, do whatever's best for you. That's the only thing mm-hmm. I tell people. I'm like, I don't know what you guys are going to do, what works. Like... If you have a situation, you want us about a specific situation, I'll let you know what we did. But like, I think if you think, give that kid love, that's all. Like some people, it, they all just are nice to their kids, and that's all that matters. Like some people don't have, you know, as best financial or best living or best mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. But some of the best kids that I run into are literally just the ones whose parents I interact with all the time, who are just super engaged and super about like their development and their process that those kids are the ones that literally are benefiting the most. Yeah. And I I think it's tough. It's tough as a kid. Like one, you have to be present with your kid and like, and that's, I think every parent struggle, like there's so much going on day to day, like just chores and notifications and phones and just responsibilities that you're like, 
you're trying to just shut it all off and focus on the kid. And I think, you know, everybody tries their best to do that. Like, I mean, that like at the end of the day, you really try to be present. You try to be with your kid all the time. Um, I think, you know, the, the ones that the parents that are involved with their kids goes much further than like, like when you have a kid leading up to a kid, they have, there's a million blogs, there's a million how to's people will tell you everything under the sun, do it this way, do it that way, do it this way. Like before I had my kid, I didn't watch a single video. I didn't read a single textbook. I didn't ask a single person. I didn't do nothing. Like I, I knew absolutely nothing before my son was born. And then the minute my son was born, it was like the oddest thing. Like, there's something that like clicks in you when you have a kid that all of a sudden you're like, and I'm just speaking from a dad perspective. It's almost like the kid's born and like something in your body just goes like opens up and like, oh, by the way, here's your, here's your dad. Like, here's the, oh, you never had this before, but here's like deep inside of you is you are a dad. now. You're a dad. (laughs) And here is all the stuff that you will need to get through dad. And like, and you kind of, it's kind of weird. Like as soon as you see a kid, like there's something weird that just hits you. We're just like, oh, that's my kid. They're real. They're breathing. They're moving. They're crying. They're doing whatever. And this person is a hundred thousand percent reliable on me and his mother. And that's, and for many, many years. And you look at, and for whatever reasons, like this internal thing inside of you that just pops out and you're like, oh, okay. Now whatever that like. I didn't even know I had that in me is now activated. And I think every year it's like you can deal with like perfect example, sleep. It's like I used to be I hear this all the time. So this this is my this was my hierarchy on sleep. Pre kids. Eight hours so I'm gonna go all the way up. So nine or let me go six hours. Six hours, I was a zombie. Anything six or under, I could not function. I was like, ugh. Seven, I could function. But it wasn't firing on all cylinders. Eight was good. I felt comfortable. I felt good. I felt pretty solid. If I could sleep nine hours in at night, I was bulletproof. I like if I could sleep nine, I would wake up and be like, I feel so good. I feel energetic. I'm rested. I'm like nine was like my sweet spot. And everybody tries. Ideally, you were getting seven, eight, yeah. nine hours of sleep. Pre kids. If you go to bed at 11 o'clock at night and wake up at seven, like you got solid eight hours and like not 10 to seven, whatever. Right. I mean, you could figure it out. As soon as I had kids, my six hours that I was like, I can't function on six hours now became my new eight hours. Meaning my, like if I sleep six hours, that's like comfortable. Like your body I, just gets accustomed. My to body's it. fine. I can yeah. function. Not great, but I can function. Anything less than five, five and a half, five hours, I can tell I'm tired. If I get seven, seven is like the holy grail almost. Yeah, seven's like <laughs> great. And if I can get eight, I'm like Whoa, if I can get eight, it feels like I slept 10 or 12. So that's, it's so funny though, but you're like, there's no way I can function off of five, six hours. Now I'm like, no, six hours to six and a half is like, if I go to bed at 10 and I wake up at five in the morning and I know that's seven hours, I'm like, let's go. Well, like I, sure. I crushed it, but I'll go to bed at 11, you know, you wake up at like six, you know, five, five thirty, six o'clock. And it's like, I got six to seven hours and that just becomes the new norm. But for whatever reason, like your body's just used to it now. It's yep. like I can, I like I feel tired. I drink coffee. I like I get through it, but it's like that adrenaline and just Ugh. like a million things going on. You just figure it out, and you, you adapt to it. Like once you have a kid, you're like, hey, I used to take naps. Now you don't, and now you're like, but I can still semi-function, you know. But it's that was a six a.m. practices for college soccer. I had to get up at five twenty a.m. Wait, the practice started at six. So we had, Ooh. so we had a we had a we had a normal season, normal college season 
fall to or August to November, uh, November-ish, end of October, if we made it that far. Usually not. So usually we had Halloween to you know okay. partake in activities. Um, so we would have to so normal so you know go to class, practice in the afternoon, go to class, practice afternoon games, whatever. Spring season comes around, which is after winter break, like two weeks after winter break. Okay. So I played, I've done, I did four spring seasons my whole career. Three of them, we had a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 6 a.m. lift. No, a month, no, no, sorry. A Monday, Wednesday, 6 a.m. lift. A Thursday, 6 a.m. indoor soccer, you know, futsal type mm-hmm. deal. And then Friday an afternoon lift in a Tuesday in afternoon. A Tuesday was either a night practice, like at, I'm not kidding, 10 o'clock at night from so we practiced from like 10 to 12, or another morning practice on top of the other ones. This was off season. This is off season. So then I had to get to class, and you know it's off season. So like in your mind, you're like, yeah, I want to get in shape, but. I want to enjoy college a little bit at the same time too, because it's off season. Like I'm done playing soccer. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it didn't work at all. And so you get at, so, so I learned literally to sleep on like five hours was good. Like no, six hours was like, thank God I got, I like if I fell asleep at 11 and I got up at five twenty, I was like, thank God. Like I got six hours of sleep. I turned into a complete morning person you said now I can't sleep in past like unless you know you super get after it like super 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 about like four IPAs. I can't get in at I can't get I can't get up I can't sleep in past like like eight sometimes is like I can't even get past eight on the weekends it's crazy there, there's sometimes so except Anna can sleep till like she beats up if she'd have to work she could sleep till like eleven yeah so I uh like. Okay, so Saturday, Sunday, I see nobody. Like, I leave Friday night. Saturday, if I can go the full weekend and I have no place to be, I love it. Awesome. Like, for me, if I can just stay home all weekend, I don't want to do anything on the weekend. Like, I'm just like, I'm home. I'm hanging out. Got the kids. I'm just chilling. I'm making coffee. I'm doing yard work. I'm doing housework. I'm doing stuff like maybe just like working on some business stuff. You know, Watch the occasional European tour golf in the morning. Like that's pretty much like my my weekends are so chill that, but I want it because one, it refreshes me. And two, I get to see the kids a lot. But like you said, it's like, if I can sleep in, sometimes I wake up at five. Sometimes I wake up at six. Some days I'm like, you know what? I'm sleeping until eight. And it's tough. A whole new field. Because usually what happens is my son wakes up like 637. So I go, I get him up. I kind of get them ready, kind of give them a little snack, a couple things here and there, let the dog out, feed the dog, all that. And then I would say by like seven, every once in a while, like I'd say maybe every other weekend or so, I'll just like go back in bed, curl up for like an hour, hour and a half, and sleep to like eight, eight thirty, and then get up. And I'm like, just that alone, you I'm needed like, it. Oh, I'm like, oh, it feels so good. Yes. And it's and it's kind of the same thing. Like you go like just so crazy Monday through Friday that. Like the Saturday, Sunday, you're just like, oh, this is nice. I could just chill. Friday night, Saturday nights, what, and are just chill. Like I don't have to like, I don't have to respond to email. I don't have to do extra stuff. I don't have to worry about the next day. I'm just like, I can just kind of relax tonight. You don't got to talk to me about homecations. That's what I call is them. That what, is that your thing? Yeah, homecation. 
What's your, I mean, is that like, is that your normal vacation is a homecation? Yeah. Vacation? Like when my, so like people, you know, like school breaks. So I get school breaks. Um, where are you going for this break? Or where are you going for this break? Or like we have four days off. Where are you going? And sometimes it's like so crazy. Like this year, especially and last year has just been so crazy and so extra that I'm like, I am staying home. I'm just going to be home. I'm going to sleep in and just, you know, my normal time. Yep. And I'm just going to chill. Yeah. Like all the stuff that I would do after work at my house, I can just do throughout my whole day and just space everything out and do everything at my own pace. It's just, I would rather stay, always stay home. Do vacations give you like anxiety sometimes? No, I like vacations, but like, like to me, it's just like, I don't know. Like some, like, yes, I could go out to the bar and drink with all my friends and do a bunch of stuff. But like, I could also just like stay at home and also do all that stuff, or like maybe have a few friends over, you know, or like you know, you can all just chill. Like I'm not a, I used to be like you know, let's go off. Like I like to do occasionally. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like I'll have backyard fires, I'll have them every single night for the rest. Like I would have one every night. Yeah. Beer and fires. Yes. Yep. Every single night. But like, I don't know. I'm just not, not trying to go out all the time. Or like I'm not. Try- I'd rather do all that stuff just in the comfort of my home. It's funny when you get older. The, 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 the going out and like going out late and getting like waking up with a hangover. Like, nope. I, I will say this till the day I die. Drink early, bed early, wake up fine. Yeah. Day drinking. Start drinking around lunch, a little after lunch. The, the old, I've heard this term, the old darty. The day drinking darty. party. Don't get me started on darty. It's a little darty. darty. Uh, but if the day drinking is the, is the adult parental life hack and I think this is one. If you start drinking at like noon, one o'clock, five o'clock, whatever, but you can go to bed at like eight, nine, ten. Perfect. You're, you get you get a buzz. You feel good. The buzz kind of slows down. You get some food in you. Relax. You go to bed. Wake up the next morning. Like, give me my coffee. I'm great. Let's yep. go. Full day. Even if you stop drinking at eight or nine, like even if you just oh, like, you're fine. Yeah. Let's, you just gotta stop. Drinking. You drink some water. You have a little food. You go to Actually, bed. You oh, I didn't bring it. it. You know those sixty no thirty two ounce Polar Springs water bottles, the normal ones, just like yeah, yeah. That is the no hangover hack. Just drinking, chugging that. So I buy that. I buy that. So I used, so for golf, you know, I'd go like, mm-hmm. you know, if I go golf with buddies, like maybe buy like two, like a beer or two. And then I'd grab a water always, the big water. Or if I ever just need, that's my water go-to. You, for some reason, when I bring that to work, I don't drink coffee anymore. When I bring that to work, I just drink water. Like it's nothing. I will finish a gallon of water before I leave work most days for no reason. Mm-hmm. And then I could drink if I wanted to like a psychopath. Like I can get really, really, really intoxicated at night, wake up, get six hours of sleep, wake up and go to work and feel nothing and just drink water again. It's like your body like it's, well, it's crazy. The, the hangover comes from la- is dehydration. Yeah. So it's crazy that I like you literally prepare your body to not be de- dehydrated. So like I've heard different hacks. I've heard like bananas. I've heard coconut water. I've heard yeah. Gatorade. Coconut heard, water is good too. Yeah. And it's like anything that replenishes your system. So like I ideally like drinking Gatorade or coconut water replenishes the electrolytes that you leave, you lose and you're also getting hydrated. So I mean, yeah, like if you really, is that a, so this guy right here, this guy, he's not going to listen to this. Who's that guy? So that guy right there. What a champ. What a champ. Brandon Lauren, everybody. Oh, so so Brandon, you know Brandon? Yeah, Brandon was on the podcast yesterday. He goes, 
I run by her every single day. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, I run right by the tracks. He's looking good, by the way. He's looking, he's looking, he's starting to get back in shape. Uh, I'm not saying he's tubby. He he admitted he was tubby at one point, but we no, accidentally sat at the bar once together at Hobie's. Really, to right. watch soccer. We just oh, sat down. And we were just like, oh hey, and we just started talking. Did you know him from high yeah, school? Well, Did you play against? He's what, what grade did you graduate? Fifteen. I think he's like three or four years older than me, right? Brandon graduated in thirteen. His last his last high school year was twelve. So yeah, I was a freshman and he was a senior. So so yeah, so he uh, yeah, you see you see him look up. Yeah yeah. So so Brandon uh, was on yesterday. Great, we had a great podcast. He's uh, I've known him since he was a little kid, and and then coached coached him a little bit as like an assistant, and then I, I was a um, I was a, I was the coach of the JV, so I kind of like mingled, obviously like helped the team, but not like every day. So I've known him for a while. Super nice kid, and. Uh, he told me, he's like, I, I, I uh, run by here all the time. I'm like, really? And that's why I kind of looked. I'm like, is that Brandon? Of course it is. So, yeah, he, he just ran by. But, that's funny. Uh, no, super nice guy. Good, Very good soccer player. He played at, uh, he ended up playing good. at Potsdam. He was good. Yeah. And, we played Benzling. We played Benzling. Benzling. Did you, so 15. He was also D, what were you guys? Or what were you guys? Uh, Class D. Class D. Class D. And then, well, so you graduated 15. Yeah. Where did you play JV? Did you play JV? JV what? Soccer? Soccer. I played JV soccer my freshman year, and then I played varsity sophomore year. So what year were you in freshman year? 2012, 12, 13, 14, 15. Yeah. Wait, you graduated 15? Yeah. So 14 was your senior year. 14, 13, 12, 11? No, 15 was my senior year if I graduated in 15. Yeah, but falls, it's, a, it's a fall sport. Yeah, so it would be 2011. Right? Well, well, my freshman your, year would be twenty. Your final year was twenty fourteen fall fourteen season. Yes, my twenty. Yes, and my last season. season. Correct. So fourteen was 13, my senior season. Twelve, so eleven. 11. So I would have coached against you as the JV coach. My year. freshman year. Well, when did we? We wouldn't have played though. No, we would have. We played JV. So no, not, but why would we would have played nine, ten, eleven? I. Why would we play you? We're not the same division. JV, we played. We played up. Really? Yeah, yeah. We mm-hmm. played Northeastern. We played you. We played Peru. We played Which Serenac. you should. I, first off, all your state championships. Can you put a little asterisk next to them? You guys well, are, I want to hear this. Cause to me, you're, this you're, is going to get a lot of people mad, but you guys were way too good and way too soccer pride and way too dominant to be in such a low class. So the way that... I understand. I understand. The way that it works is that you get placed based on the amount of kids you I have. I know. I understand. But so what I always would argue... With people is that you play Class D, which is good because you got to you got to think we've won a lot, a lot, <laughs> a lot. Nine. I don't think we've hit ten. I think we're at nine. We're gonna mess this up. I don't know. We we won a lot, so I think we're at nine. I remember when I grew up as a kid, they didn't win the first one until two thousand four, which I was a freshman in high school, and I remember watching Shazy in the late nineties, in the early two thousands, get to the final four. Almost every year and lose every single year. I would say eighty percent of the time in the semifinals. Really, we made the finals. I think one year. So, my argument is in that case, if it's that easy, we went years and years and years and years and years never winning. It progressively and, got better, and we won in two thousand four, and then two thousand five, and then two thousand seven, 
And then we won in 2009 and 10. And then there was, I, I kind of lost track. I played in the five, six, seven years. So then I ended up losing track. So then it ended up to the point where I was coaching, but my memory's terrible. So, so like Brandon graduated in 2012. So he won a couple, he won three. And, but what I look at is, is we play every year, the preseason tournament that we played in Jay-Z, which you must've played in, right? Yep. Is Shay-Z with three class B schools. Yeah, so you, you guys get, compete with every single one of them. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm saying our non-league games, we play against the better teams. Mm-hmm. And then our league games, because of our size, we have to play D. And then we go in the finals. And the thing is, when we win state championship games, they're they're not, they're they're not typically easy, not no. blow-up blow no, games. No, no, These no. teams are really good. I would say, <clears throat> and and again, I'm going to speak from when I played and right after. When I played, E-Town was a very, very good team. And when we were coaching, E-Town and Willsboro, respectively, depending on the year, were very, very good. To the point where we could win the state championship, but we would still scrap our way out of the section just to beat those two schools. So you got to really look at this, the, the, the talent in general locally. But well, I was like Beekman Town. The Beekman Town, the year they beat my senior year, we beat them twice and they beat us once. Mm-hmm. Or was it my junior year? Junior or senior? I think it was my senior year. They, we beat them twice, and they beat us once, and they went to the national. They went to the championship game for Class B and, and lost in the championship. Yeah, I was actually at. Uh, was it fourteen? Yes. Yeah, I went to the game. Uh, they got to the final four. I don't know if they won the final four. They went the same year. Etown no, I think did. they won the championship. They they won the PHS did one year. No, I'm saying they. Uh, I think they made it to the championship game that year. They might have. I'm trying to think of. I, there was one year Beekman Town went that was really stacked. There was one year that. Um, E-Town went and they beat us and they went to the state championship game and lost the state championship game, which is wild. But when you really look at the teams up here, it's like, I, so this, I mean, just to take North country soccer from 2003 or sorry, not three, 2004, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 11 and 12. So that string, Shazy played in every state championship game. That's disgusting. Or the one year we lost, which is my junior year, we ended up losing to E-Town. E-Town ended up going down south and beating the team out of Albany handily. Like, they beat them. Then they went up and played the Section 10 team. And one of their best players was injured, couldn't play in the game. And I remember going to that game because, long story, girls were playing before, Shazy girls, whatever. So we watched... Yeah. They ended up losing to Colton Pierpont, which was out in section 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colton Pierpont won the state championship that year. So when you can argue, E-Town was very good. We were number one in the state. We hadn't lost a game in like 50-something games. That's so nuts. And we had a two-year two state championship. They upset us. And they went into that game, and Colton Pierpont was... They won the state championship. I watched the game in Z-Town. They were ass. Like, I, at the... At the Without, like, our team, if we would have stepped on the field that day, would have absolutely annihilated them. The reason is you play someone like E-Town, they play you twice, you beat them twice during the year, you play them three times, they kind of have your number. They kind of know how to beat you, or they know enough to keep the game close. And yep. then if they win, they win. Someone like Colton Pierpont, if we would have just saw them straight up, we would have, I, I, I think we would have single-handedly beat, I mean, single-handedly, we would have beat them, like, 3 nothing. Like, I don't think it would have been, I, I think... That was one of the, I think, the easiest, had we got past E-Town, one of the easiest walks to the championship because it was a very weak 
Final Four that year because a lot of like the bigger teams had these like fluke upsets that we typically don't see. So when you look at, I don't know, when you look at like sports, it's just it, it depends on who you play. But I remember one year we played the A, B, C, and D champion of Section Ten in one season and beat them all. Well, there you go. But it was like, but you, the idea was that you tried to play all the, like we've tried to play the higher, te- harder teams. Of course. Right. And even yeah. if you lost, like who cares? You played against the better teams to prep you for the States. Yep. So PHS by far. Wouldn't know. Wouldn't know. Sorry. Never been that far. What, what year did they win? Was it year after you graduated? Literally the exact year after. I mean, my buddies, obviously I still had buddies there. Yeah. And I was like, you, I was like, you assholes. Like, are you serious? Like I won two section basketball championships. Okay. Okay, a sport I love basketball. Don't get me wrong, but soccer obviously is my favorite sport. Like the one I tried the hardest at, the one I continued to play, and I couldn't even get a section championship. In, so you never won the section? At- no, lost. My sophomore year we were horrible. We weren't going to win playoffs anyways. My junior year we lost in the finals to Beekman Town. Our goalie got injured. During a practice before the game. Okay. He got a concussion. And then my senior year, we lost in the semifinals on like the worst, like some of the craziest stuff. Like we scored 1 0. And then I think I played a kid in like on a, like from midfield on a breakaway. Did you play? NCCS. Okay. Like he had a breakaway, missed the net, like on a breakaway. I had one of like the coolest goals I would have ever scored in my life, a diving header, hit the freaking post, like nothing was going the right way, and then we ended up <laughs> losing off like a trickler in overtime. Um you know what's funny is like back in those days I was like I was like helping out at the field because I had coached, so yeah, like, yeah. we kinda like joined for sectional. So I remember there were so many years it was Northeastern and and, and PHS, mm-hmm. class B finals, like almost every year for like three, four years. And they were good games. They were always like one goal games. Um, and Beekman Town got good. Beekman Town had a couple good years. Um, like I remember, um, like Alex Price was very good. Um, the Still Waterbury is. kid, um, yeah, Alex, is a really fast kid. And kids nuts. And I mean, there's some other like really good players, but they had some good. They had a couple, few good years. Um, but the the I mean, soccer up here is pretty good. Overall, from the state yeah, the level. North Country's yeah, it's not this this area. People like bad. shit on it, but I'm like, at the end of the day, it's like when you get teams that come here and compete at the state level, mm-hmm. and, and most teams that come from here very rarely get blown out. Like most of them put up a really good effort in the in the no, state for championships. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not the worst. It's not the best. We're probably the worst basketball section. I would agree. Yeah. Um, like we would we would win sectionals. Like thought it was a big deal, and then. Yep. Go get fucking whooped by. You went sectionals in basketball? Yeah, junior and senior. Uh, junior, senior, yeah. So who'd you, where'd you go play after that? Like, what was, what was the regional My games? My junior year, it's Augensburg both years. Was it Augensburg? Augensburg both years. Okay. And they had a kid named Kenan LaRose. Do you ever remember hearing that name? So he was just some, some quote-unquote prodigy that was supposed to go D1, which he did. He went to Siena, but... Didn't pan out? No. But he was good. Don't get me wrong. For high school, that kid could. He didn't miss. Um, but yeah, I won basketball championships. And then we leave and we get smoked, like you know, twenty five, thirty points. But soccer, you don't. That doesn't happen. You know, the goals are like. If anything, it's like three zero. Maybe it's like the max. You'll see. Yeah. 
which isn't really a blowout well, at that point. Well, the thing with soccer too, it's a sport that you can, depending how you play, you can keep it to a one goal game. So then there's oh, still yeah. a chance. Like the amount of teams that we used to play would just pack the box. They'd have ten behind the ball, and it's like you have one guy up front. You would pepper the goal, pepper the goal, pepper the goal, and like you get tired eventually. <laughs> well, but well, the point was it just like <laughs> do everything you can to keep them off the board and get that one lucky breakaway or one lucky yep. ball gets cleared out. Put the fastest get up in line. He happens to like beat the defender who slips and they go in to score. Like it's the percentages are low, mm-hmm. but when you look at some of these teams, like there was plenty of teams that if they would have played us straight up, would have got smoked. Yeah. But they didn't. They packed in the box, so you end up winning one, two, nothing, yep. and it ends up being thirty-five to three in shots it's differential. Like, it's but it's stupid. like you just like it's hard to score a goal when there's ten people in the box and you're Literally. just like banging the ball around. It's like I can't even shoot because there's just people in the box. So then it's like. Well, if you can't score, you can't win, and exactly. that's that's the hard part with soccer, especially like locally, because you get like some some teams that they suck, they just won't come play you head to head. They just no. like, yeah, we're just gonna, just gonna stay back and let you come to us, and then which you can, it obviously makes things frustrating. And that's why I think in soccer you have more upsets than basketball. Basketball is hard to upset somebody. Yeah, yeah, I would say it's harder unless someone gets in foul trouble or someone gets well, injured. It really depends like, on what you think an upset is. Like, is four zero like because one. You know what I mean? It's all but, perspective. Like five zero is an upset. But you in can have a shitty soccer team. Even four zero is kind of a pretty. I would say soccer three zeros when you start to get to the point where like that's handily. Like three zero, you're getting handled. Like you're yeah, not. Like that's not close. I no. think. But like, how many games end one nothing? When you're like, oh wow, like that team only Could beat a team one nothing. Yep. But you, when you look at look at the goal, the shots on goal. Again, it's like twenty five thirty to three, and you're like. Okay, one team obviously held possession because it's like they just kept peppering the ball. Yep. But at that point, it's a one goal game. And at the end of the day, when you're taking like numerically, there's only one point away from win or lose or tie. Where basketball, it's very tough to keep a team. Like I would deem because of the way the pace is scored. Like if you had a really good basketball team and there was a crappy basketball team that had no business beating you, I think the chances they beat you are slimmer than soccer because soccer, you could. You just don't let them score a goal and you're in the game. Where so you have an easier chance in basketball to get beaten. I just think in basketball because there's so much back and forth that agree. it's easy for a good team to score. And it's and you just, the, again, how many times do you defend in basketball and how many times do you defend in soccer or in uh, offensively in basketball? When you take soccer, you have the, you have the uh, basically have the, the front third, forward third, back third, whatever you want to call it, and you have the middle third. Like you have, you split the field up in threes. Majority of the play takes place in the midfield. Throughout the whole game, and you have you have possibilities and chances on both you know offensive and defensive thirds, but realistically, like even if you go back and forth, there's a good chance the game could get to like ten minutes left in the game. It's still zero zero, and you're like holy crap, this team's way better than this team, but still a tie oh, game. Yeah. Like you would say, yes, pace of play, score or uh, shots, opportunities, everything favors the better team. But if it still says zero zero on the scoreboard, it's still a tie game. Oh yeah, it's and that's it's, when it's like you get to the point where you're like, oh, in sectional, like you could be in a sectionals or states, and you're like. How are we not beating this team two three nothing right now? But you're like they just haven't let a goal, and we haven't scored, and maybe we're off, and we had a couple so shots strategic. go wide, or hit a, hit a, head off the the post, or the goalie made a couple good saves. And now we're just like e- equal, and all of a sudden it's like shit. They have an op- they have a corner kick. Now we've got five minutes left. We're smoking this team, but they have a corner kick. Now we're trying to scramble to get the ball out, and they could have a fluke little goal. And next thing you know, they beat us, and that's that happens. I mean, it's like we're basketball. Just the sheer number of back and forth because the courts. You know, just the way that basketball set up the game, the points get higher, and like you oh, can yeah. miss, but a better team, like if you just keep shooting and shooting and shooting, your a better team is eventually going to score. Like you know, yeah. and and 
or a better defensive team is going to stop more balls. But it's like there's more opportunity to stop and more opportunity to score. Where soccer, it's like you can keep the goal. You can keep you can keep everything relatively close. For sure, and like you said, soccer most like even professional teams like if they know like if Barcelona is playing some horrible team. Mm-hmm. That horrible team will change their formation. They haven't not played this formation against the last team. They'll change their formation. Oh, be absolutely, like, yeah. Like a five-three-two or like something crazy to just have a bunch of defense. And so, yeah, in basketball, you can't really do that. Like, yeah. it's just not the same. I mean, you go man to man, you go zone, you can play different things. But like, you can't even play zone in the NBA anymore, though. So, yeah, that's right. So it's just it's, you know, it's, do you follow the NBA? Yeah, more than college now. Yes. See, I, I find that the NBA has had like a resurgence last like. Five ten it's years. More interesting again. Yeah, it seems like it's more interesting. But like, I like the I like the format of basketball better. Like in the college. Yeah, and March Madness obviously is the coolest thing to ever happen. Yeah, best, that's the best best three weeks of sports to call is oh March God. Madness. I like, there's certain events in sports that I really like, but I would say March Madness from a collective is the best. One and done, like, and it's just like it's just oh, a bracket. Sure. Like, I don't think the idea of a one and done bracket is better. The one thing I thought about the other day. Do you follow baseball at all? I hate baseball. Okay, I don't. I I don't really follow the base. I, well, if the Expos come back, I will follow baseball. But <laughs> I don't follow baseball. But the thing is with baseball is they play 162 games to I I think now they expanded out. I think there's 10 teams that make the playoffs, and ideally, 10 teams make the playoffs, and I think one or two of them they play play-ins. Yeah. So like yeah, two so teams automatically one game they're out. So really, you're talking like eight to 10 teams really make the playoffs. And I think that's I think that's I think that's good. Then you get to basketball and, and hockey, and it's like fifty percent of the teams make the playoffs. Like I would actually think basketball would be more competitive mm-hmm. and hockey would be more competitive. If you put eight and eight. Yeah, probably. Like they why do you need ten teams still too though? But it's they cr- they play eighty two. They both play yeah. eighty two. But it's like why would some like basketball? Why does basketball play eighty two games, and then Half April their star players sit out for what well, April? Games. Yeah, in April you throw sixteen teams in the mix, and then you do a, then you do series to move on. Yeah, like what's the first game series in basketball? Is it six, five games? It's all seven. It's all the same. All the way through seven, 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 seven. Like that's outrageous that you play four best of seven games mm-hmm. to make the finals. Like cut the first one out and just yep. play the best of like take sixteen teams, eight and eight, play eight four two, and actually that's even that's what they play now sixteen. Yeah, like you could play. Ideally, you could put. Kind of what they do now is take, I think football actually is the best, is that you get six teams, so you get your, your three division winners or four division winners, mm-hmm. and you have two wild cards. Your top two get automatic buy, your play in, play in, and then you go into, so then you have the wild card divisional championship or the, the yeah, NFL or the championship, and then you have the, the Super Bowl. But those are one and done. Yep. Where I think if you get a play in, like some of those, if you get in and you have, you know, basketball or say, uh, Say basketball, you have the top six make it from each division, so top twelve, not sixteen. But those first ones, the first two get an automatic buy. The other two maybe play best of three series. Oh yeah, and then all of a sudden, now you're right into the four two one, and then at that point you can go seven 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 if you want, and that's still going to take you a month and a half. Oh hell yeah, that's so I just find that like the basketball and hockey playoffs, you just drag on. Like oh, it's April basketball playoffs. Like let me know when the finals is because like it's going to drag on for another six weeks. Yeah, baseball's so slow to me. I hate baseball. Well, baseball's slow, but I think that baseball the play like the baseball playoffs is a month. The baseball playoffs is cool, but like the baseball game itself is slow. It's long. Like you got to really like the team, and I think in baseball, if you play 162 games and there's games every single night, like 
six out of seven days your team's playing. For literally. Then it's like trying to, and then each game is three hours, and you're like, oh my God, three hours every single day. Like, it's hard to stay with the team. Some people watch it every day. Yeah. Like, I don't. And I don't know if you could watch, like, I know a lot of people like watch the Yankees or Red Sox, and they'll pop it on and just let it go. But for them to play that much, like, every single night to watch that, to me, gets like a little chaotic in the sense of, like, hey, I can't watch a Tuesday night Major League Baseball game against. You know, back when I watched it, like the Expo was playing like freaking Colorado Rockies. Like, all right, I'll just check the box score. Yeah, see you later. So it gets tough, but I do like baseball. I I like the the old school, like the even though it's base, it's still like there's still like an archaic simplicity to it. Yeah, yeah. I like it, but it's 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 just too slow. I just don't like it. Slow to watch. Have you ever been to a baseball game? And we'll be. Wait, question though: Is it bad podcast etiquette to uh, go to the bathroom, go take a piss? Yeah, you can do it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, what time is it? I don't know. No, go, go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom and then we'll... we'll uh, Where is it? I don't remember. Go, go straight out. Take a left. All right. So while Brady's gone, I'm going to talk bad about Brady. No, I'm just kidding. I won't do that. Good guy. So, um, but yeah, basically... Um, ba- basically, when I'm talking about like sports, I'll go back into the sports realm before we come back and change topics. So the s- sports realm... I just take a playoff of 16 games in baseball, or not baseball, sorry, hockey and basketball, just very excessive. That's a lot of a lot of games, drags it out. I think you lose some interest. I think, I'm trying to think the best playoff system. Um, baseball, I think, is great. I think, obviously, March Madness is number one. That's, that's the best you can get. And they still played like the March, um, like the Big 12 and the Big East and Big 10 and Pac-12 and all those, or Pac-10, wherever they are now. All those like uh, conference championships, those are still pretty cool to watch. But then you go to March Madness. That's when everybody actually follows and, and pays attention. Uh, I really like the golf playoffs because it's four play four events. And then you have the championship, so it's four weeks. But it's, you know they keep taking people off, so they start with more players. And then each week they drop and drop and drop. I'm not sure how NASCAR does playoffs. I know they have like the chase for the NASCAR? cup. I don't watch NASCAR. <laughs> Um, I used to, I used to follow as a kid. One of my, my best friend was a big NASCAR guy and still is. Um, so we used to like play with the cars and stuff like that, but I, I don't actually follow it anymore. Um, I was saying like the golf playoff, they play four events. Yeah. They start at like 120 players and then they go to like a hundred and, or I think they go down to like 70 and then they go down cut, to yeah. whatever it is. They keep just, or I think it's like whatever, 150, 120, 70, 30. Like they drop pretty substantially to the point where it's like each week, People are trying to like just get into the next event, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I like that. It's so like each playoff event, I watch all four events. But again, they're they're one event, four days, one event, once each week, and you're done. It's like football. Like each each, I guess, level of the playoffs is one weekend. Like yeah. basketball, they in hockey, they play all week long, over and over again, and a series will take you a week and a half to get through. And it's like, okay, I'm doing it again. And I get it. There's a lot of games, so it's cool you get to watch a game on a Wednesday. It does get – those guys must be dead. Like, Well, it's like I remember back in the day when people were giving shit to LeBron for like he's sitting out. I'm like, yeah, there's 82 games. Like, If he's already won enough to make the playoffs, why would well, he keep one, playing? Well, one, he's won. They qualified for the playoffs. Like he doesn't really have to play. Like get him yeah. rested because he's got another six weeks of playoffs. Well, that's why play. he always has uh, you know, his, his, what, his ankle or his something is always injured. Absolutely. LeBron so James right now is 37 years old. The fact that he's still going at this rate is good. The it's fact insane. that he's not sitting out most of the games is still impressive. And I would, and I don't watch a lot of NBA right now, but I would is is LeBron arguably that's a top five player in the league still? 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, which is insane. So when I started watching LeBron James, 2003. But it, wait, but I gotta say though, it is getting. It's it, it, it. We are getting to the point where LeBron will always be a dominant like force, like no matter what. Mm-hmm. He, he even makes other players around him better. Yada yada yada. But we are getting to a point where they're slow. I mean, obviously he's gonna age out. Age so. out. But we're close to where like he. Like, I like Kevin Durant, you know, and Jokic. Yeah, but Kevin Durant still. And Giannis. And so who's Jokic? He plays for the Nuggets. Solid. He's just a, like, tall center guy so that can. The, the two that I hear a lot, um, when you say Giannis. Yeah, Giannis, don't make me say. On, so on he's the, the guy Kumbo? from the box. Yes. Incredible. And I know. I'm not trying to sound ignorant. I don't follow the NBA. I know he's the guard in the box. He's a couple brothers playing the league. Yeah, I think he's got two brothers in the league. Okay, so very gifted player. Good player. The Bucks won this year, right? Mm-hmm. Which is crazy because when I watched like NBA back in the day, Bucks sucked. But yeah, that's great. They're there. Um, uh, who's the guy from Dallas? Luka? Hmm, nasty. What's his name? Luka Donk- Donkic. Luka's his first name. Yes. So he plays for Dallas? Uh, yes. He's like a Greek player or something? He's uh, Slovakian, something like that. Yeah, I think he played in Real Madrid or something like that. But he's a really good player. Oh my God, he's an unreal. Okay, so like when you start looking at these guys, like I've honestly, I've, oh, I've never, I, I could not pick him out of the lineup. I don't, I've never seen him play a game. I've never seen Giannis play a game. I just know from like cultural perspective, like people talking about him. So I know obviously they're good players. It's like LeBron and, and yeah, Steph, yeah. like, um, or back when I grew up, like Iverson and McGrady and like, you know, Tim Duncan and all these guys that were really good players. Carmelo, like, but... Carmelo's still playing. Is he? With LeBron. Is he really? Yeah, he's he's on, on the Lakers? Yeah. Wow. They're the same age, by the way. Yeah. He just keeps taking his one-year contracts anywhere he can go and... Is Chris Paul still in the league? Yes. He plays for the Sun still. Please don't get mad at me if I got that wrong. I'm pretty wow. sure he plays for the Phoenix. So And Kyrie's about to retire. Which is insane because Kyrie Irving compared to those guys is young. He's only going to retire, though, because of the vaccine thing that's going on. What so, do you mean? So I think I think it, it's like either Brooke. I don't know if it was Kyrie couldn't either. It's one or the other. Like he couldn't play in any away games or he couldn't play in any home games. Unless he, he was vaccinated. Yeah, and so he doesn't want to get vaccinated. Yeah, so he couldn't. There's a bunch of stuff he wasn't going to be able to participate in. So eventually, it got to the point where the general manager of the Nets was just like, "You're not allowed to do anything until you can fully participate." So there's obviously a huge, like, following. So they were forcing him to get vaccinated. But there's a huge following behind Kyrie of like, which you know, I'm you know for getting vaccinated too. But I mean, maybe. That's a little aggressive. I, the hard part with the vaccination, like, I think the problem that I have with it is the idea that they are, people are trying to... Now, and I get it. You could say, take the Brooklyn, uh, uh, Brooklyn Nets. They're, they are owned privately. They're owned by somebody, mm-hmm. like whoever owns the team. So technically... They're a private entity, and they say, well, if you're not getting this, as long as it's not considered an illegal way to fire somebody. Like, if I if I was, like, to fire somebody because of something that was a protected thing. Like I can't yeah. fire you because of your age. Like, that's illegal. 
So if if they can say, well, I can fire you because you're not getting vaccinated and we're a private company, we require you to be vaccinated, then I would deem, okay, I get it. Then I guess yeah. because it's not illegal, then technically you could fire me because I'm not getting vaccinated. Like that, that could happen. I think the, the slippery slope, um, I'm not a very political guy and I don't really like yeah. give two shits about most stuff, but the way I look at the vaccine is the vaccine, I again, I'm coming from a layman's term here, is that the idea is that if you get vaccinated, then you are, in theory, protected against the, the disease you're getting vaccinated against. So if somebody wants to get vaccinated, then get vaccinated, then you should be fine. If somebody doesn't want to get vaccinated, that's their choice. They don't want to get vaccinated, and then they're fine. Like, go out. Like, in theory, they're the one at risk, not the person that has it. And I get there's, like, Delta variants and all these crazy variations. But then I get to the point where people can't do something because they're not vac- like. Because you're not vaccinated, you can no longer travel. You no longer go here. You can no longer get there. So you end up getting to the point where you're forcing people to get vaccinated, which I think is a slippery slope because it's like... I like encourage. We should encourage. You can encourage any... Yeah, and I think you can encourage anybody to do anything. But I think at the end of the day, when you're getting to the point where you are forcing people or shaming people into getting it, then like that to me is not... Like I want to pressure anybody to do anything like i i think i make a choice based on what i want to do and i make a choice for my children because they're kids mm-hmm. like so like there's stuff me and my wife don't agree on i'm like do whatever you want like if there's things you do or don't want to do but i think at that point like you have to make it as an adult make a decision best for you and then but i don't look down on somebody if they don't do something like and you go from the vaccine you yeah, go down same. to like um like take voting, like voting. I vote. Like I just go out and vote. I think it's just something that we have a right to vote. I think most, not most, but a lot of countries and a lot of places in the world, people don't have the right to vote. So I just exercise that right. Cause yeah. I'm like, we have it. And I, I use it more as, even if I don't care about the candidates and I don't care about what's going on, I still want to go vote because I still think it adds, it's something that we get to do. And I think by not voting, we take it for granted. So I go do it. And someone in your brain has got to be a little bit better than the other, right? Like, wouldn't you rather at one point have one person? So go out and do it, right? Or just yeah. like, well, but, if you, but if you told me like, I don't go vote, I would not tell you like, Brady, you really should go vote. I'd be like, okay, that's fine. Like, do yeah, you do Yeah, I'm not you. doing like, that stuff either. I don't care. Yeah. So like in the vaccine, if someone's like adamantly against them, like, that's fine. You do you. If somebody's adamantly for it, like, you do you. Go get it. Don't get it. I don't care. Like, I... I'm going to make a choice for myself based on what Gail and Trombley thinks like that's And that's how I've always looked at stuff. So when I look at that kind of stuff, it's like people like getting like on top of people and saying, you sh- you need to get vaccinated or shouldn't get vaccinated either side. It's like, well, well let's like pump the brakes here. Is she going to do a, a, you can, you can answer it. Are you sure? Friend of the show. I, I mean, I don't want her to get you in trouble, but why would I get in trouble? Hello. Okay. Really? Relax. Come on, just don't take time away from uh, my don't 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 sabotage this. Oh, I, no, it was six forty-five. I was just seeing if you were done, but I'm just calling to tell you that I'm at Allison and Pat's cooking the tacos. See that? That's such a good wife. That right is there. she's cooking on, meals for her cousin. She's such a good person. That's great. Make sure you say some for me, and make sure you do no cheese, lactose intolerant. Thank you. She knows. Don't have any cheese on it. All right. Thanks, honey. Gotta go. I'm doing some important stuff. What time did you guys start? Uh, Two hours and nine minutes ago. <laughs> Two hours and nine minutes ago. Oh, okay. Enjoy. Bye. Later. <laughs>
Um, All right. That, yeah. I'm surprised Phil hasn't actually called. Phil, Phil always like sneaks his way. Tries to these. sabotage these things. What I was gonna say is I also agree. Don't care. Don't do your own thing. But also I'm not afraid. Not not that like I feel like I can talk to. I feel like you can talk to people in a way where you can tell them kind of how you feel without feeling like you're pushing. Because all my, I have friends that like we do not agree on a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. like at all. But we both are pretty comfortable just being like, "This is what I think." Like we'll send each other stuff back and forth. Like, well, yeah. Well, did you see this? And I'm like, "Oh shit!" Like, no, I didn't see that. And like all of a sudden, something you see this, and he's like, "Oh man!" Like that is a little weird too. It's like I'm not afraid to be like. Like, my thing is, is, I was like, well, all the doctors in the entire United States got the vaccine, most of them. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we're going to try to kill our healthcare workers. So I, that's why I got it. That's the only I was like, all right, I'll get it that way. That's my reason. Yeah, I think, I think like the va- the vaccination, like I got vaccinated. Like, I don't get, like, I'm not, yeah. like, I don't look at it like as a bad or like. But I also and, don't hate you if you don't get it. Like, I really don't and, hate And I you. think, but when you start looking at these companies that are like, you have to get vaccinated or else you're not going to work here. I'm like, is that, and I'm just going from a standpoint of like, to me, it kind of sounds like monkey like like are you gonna fire somebody or force someone in this case to retire because they don't want to get a vaccination and, and at the end of the day in theory the way vaccinations work is that person is at risk not the person who gets vaccinated that's how vaccinations work like yeah. if you're gonna get a vaccine is protecting you against a virus yeah. so you like in my eyes it's like asking someone that's not vaccinated to say you need to get the vaccination but I'm like, well, are you vaccinated? Like, yeah, I am. Then like, don't worry about it. Cause that's the point of the vaccine. It, and so like, it always, I don't know. It, it's a weird thing, but like for him not to get it, like for him not to, or for him to get out is a, is a problem, you know? And I think that, or for him to be forced, almost like forced into retirement by a team because like you need to vaccinate to play. It's like, well, I don't want it. Well, can't I just play? It becomes this whole well, he's thing. He's probably just going to retire and then do the Conor McGregor or whatever, you know, the normal Michael Jordan come right back come in. Come right back. We're the four or five. When it, it's over. When, yeah, once I, the mandate's over, they, they can't have the mandate forever. Yeah. It, it's it's just a weird time. And I think the problem is it gets politicized. And the problem is then you start pitting people against each other. And then it becomes this thing. And it's like. Definitely does it need but, to be. Either. But then I also look at too, like everybody gets like the polio vaccine. Everybody gets these weird vaccines when you're born. We don't even think twice of it. Nope. But then it's like, but I always, I was thinking about this. It's how was it when the polio vaccine was r- rolled out? Like how many people got the polio vaccine? Everyone, right? Well, but I'm saying like when it first came out, oh. I'm sure there are people that were like, hell no, I'm not getting this. Like, but no. I think I could be wrong too, but I almost think when that stuff was going around, it was like, I mean, once it was approved for mm-hmm. children's stuff, you like, you went to school and you walked into school and like got in a line and got your shot and then moved on. Like it wasn't like a, yeah, it wasn't a big thing. Like it wasn't a big thing or a big political or just but, not even like a choice. Like if. You, but I, I wonder what it was like when polio first came around. People were like, "Oh my god, we got polio. We got to come up with a way to get rid of this or eradicate it." We're like, I mean, the weird thing about right now is coronavirus. We can pinpoint the day or the day. Like we can pinpoint basically the month coronavirus started, and you pretty much know the history of this. So then the the crazy part is to go back. To like a polio, it was like when did polio start, and when did they actually get the vaccine, and when did people start getting the vaccine, and when was it socially acceptable to get the vaccine? And I think a lot of like the craziness back and forth now is politicized, but which is the problem. But I think at the politicized aspect, anything that's politicized puts people against each other because not everybody agrees. Of course, on, like a country's fifty-fifty. However oh, you look at it, every year there's a there's an, a presidential election. 
at best it's fifty one forty nine. Same thing every year, almost same. Yeah, fight, so it's like same argument. So you realize that like the country is basically a fifty fifty split down the middle. So like anything that really rolls out and is politicized, it's going to be fifty fifty support or yay or nay. You yeah. know, and that's the problem. It's like because to that point where I I look at it as like a, from a scientific standpoint, I'm like, well, even if it's politicized one way or the other, if scientists are saying, hey, like healthcare people are like, no, listen, I'm like, I'm one that. I trust people that are in that field. Like I'm in real estate. I don't want someone that's not in real estate to tell me how to do my job. So yep. if I'm having a if I'm having a medical doctor say you should get this because of X, Y, and Z, I'm gonna listen to them. And this isn't Fauci. This I'm talking like just the, the average run of the mill healthcare vaccines, like you know, this this is legit. Yeah, of course. So I'm like, all right, I have no I have nothing I, I there's nothing that I know about medical that would make my opinion better than theirs. Anything. Like me, like, so. like education. Like I'm like, I don't know childhood education. I'm going to defer to Brady and he's going to be the, like, he's going to make me, or he's going to be a trained person in that field to make, make, help me make the best decision. Um, like I met with my accountant earlier today. He's giving me information I don't know. And he's helping me make a better decision be talking to him because he knows his stuff. I don't. So it's like, that's the way I look at most things is I try to, I always try to err or to err, but deflect or lean towards a professional and say, that's what I need to know. Yeah, and I also think, like, I don't know. I just have a hard time thinking that why, like, first off, I think it's just going to be, like, the flu shot. I, I honestly just feel like we're going to get, like, it's going to be optional. You're going to, you can get flu shot every year, and you can get your COVID shot. I bet you the flu shot and COVID shot eventually will be the same shot. Yeah, like they could be. Yeah. Just go in and, like, you get your annual COVID and flu shot. And I guess at that point, if you choose to get it, make the same thing whatever but i also know like a ton of like i have a couple people that i work with um who are vaccinated and got covid and are like super sick like like yeah. they like they have the flu which people yeah. are like what what i'm like well you're you're not not going to get sick it's just to help you not get sicker or you know die like mm -hmm. you're not going to die but like imagine like so i had someone who i saw someone right now who has lingering like effects of yeah. it and he's vaccinated and i was just like well imagine like if you weren't like i think that's the part that like that's what some people are talking about like imagine it, if you weren't though it, it's a weird thing because like i so i got i got covid back february i think it was february before the vaccine like i was vaccinated got it and i was sick for about a day like um I, let's say a day and a half I had about a half a day that I felt it coming on. One day I was sick and one, about a half a day where I kind of felt it like linger away. And then it was just like just sitting around like for 10 days not to come Nothing. out. Yeah. So, but the actual day, the actual, what I had when I had it in that 10 days for me, because again, obviously this like fluctuates based on people, wasn't that bad. It was like, mm -hmm. I, I call it like a very low grade fever. Like I had, I've had the flu before. The flu was way worse than what I experienced during COVID. But what I will say is I can see why it would affect people that are not in good health or I could see why it would affect maybe potential older people. The other thing was it wasn't the the 10 days that I was like in quarantine that I had it wasn't wasn't the hardest part. Like that was actually pretty easy. Like I felt fine. And it was the week after when I came back to work and I went from 0 to 100 and I got really run down to the point where I was getting into work at like nine nine thirty in the morning, which is late for me, on co like drinking full coffee, and then by like one o'clock, my eyeballs were burning because I was like, That's I just want to sleep. 
and it was I think I don't it wasn't that I felt bad I just felt very run down and then I ended up that lasted for one week and that was one week where basically Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday I felt by about one o'clock that my eyes were I was just like I I just wanted to close my eyes and sleep and I didn't feel bad I just felt very tired and then the following like two three months it was like that brain fog, that lingering brain fog. I heard everyone has this. There's always little lasting effect, no yeah. matter what it is. Yeah, and the brain fog was weird because it would be, and I still feel I have some of it, but I've gotten much better the last few months. But for about two, three months, I would talk to you, and I would sit there and be like, mid-sentence, be like, I honestly, I don't know where I was going with that. Like, you would lose your train of thought mid-sentence. Like, I would be on a full conversation with you, and I'd be talking and be like, I don't even know how I was going to finish that sentence. Like your mind almost like just gets goes blank, and you're like, "Wait, I'm I'm lost." It's crazy. It, so, and that happened for about two to three months, and that was the worst thing I had was the residual effect of it. So it wasn't like the actual like day of or a couple days. It was just like the lingering effect where you're like, "Oh, this sucks." Because, um, and then you also get to like, "Will this ever get back to normal?" Which it, I mean, it does. Like I'd say right now, I'm like yeah. pretty functional. Like I don't, my brain no. fog, I don't think it's actually there. I think I'm actually firing a little better than it was six months ago. But um, yeah, it happens. It's just like a weird, weird time. Um, don't get COVID. But I will say, Stay away. don't get COVID. But I will say, because who wants to get sick? That's the thing, you know. Like you don't, don't want to get sick anyways, ever, right? Ever. No, you don't. Don't get sick. sick. Drink your fiddlehead, and you won't get sick. Um, I'll be honest. I feel like I'm bulletproof right now. Isn't this amazing? Fiddlehead's best. This is actually the first time we've ever had Fiddlehead on the air. Well, I'm glad to be the first. Actually, yesterday I saw um, Instagram, maybe story or post or something, and you guys were all having a nice family dinner, cousin dinner, mm, yes, we were. block party, whatever yeah. you want to call it. And then I, I saw subtly, right, like, sm- like I knew it. Like, you'd have to, like, a normal person would have to, like, zoom in and, like, inspect everything. And, like, I just, like, glanced really quick. I'm like, that's that's Fiddlehead. That's and fiddlehead. I, I looked at it quick. I'm like, that's Fiddlehead. Yep, that's a headline. So this was the, the drink of uh, Brady Channel. It, sip Sunshine, too. Richard. Richard's has Sip Rich, Sunshine. Yes, always. they do. Do you like the uh, the yellow can? Yellow can, of course. Lawson's. Lawson's. Lawson's is the company. Sip of yes. Sunshine is the brand. Yeah. Because then they also have, the, like, the little sip, which is the blue. Yep. Which is okay. It's not the yellow. Yellow is the best one. Yellow is amazing. I got to check the uh, untapped on that, but yellow I think is pretty high. So, uh, Brady, let's wrap that up there so you can go eat whatever your tacos, non, yeah. non thing is and I can get home and eat because I'm starving. Um, but, Brady, if anybody wants to, I'm glad you came and did this because originally you said you weren't going to do this. I was a little scared, not going to lie, but and it's all good. Then you did, and you weren't, you weren't totally scared. Did I do okay? You, you did okay. I think you did great. We did two hours and 20 minutes. I thought it was good. I was engaged. I liked it. We had some beer. Beer. Beer always works. Beer always works. So I think it was good. So Brady, anybody that wants to reach out, find you. I think at this point, Adirondack Helping Hands is we know you know look it up, Google it, whatever. But if you're a teacher, special education, reach yep. out. If you want some help with your kid or you need some advice, we will lead you in the right direction too. And uh, is it website Facebook website Facebook Adirondack Helping Hands. We're all there. Actually, we're just updating our website and Facebook and all that stuff coming soon. But still add around a couple of hands, yes. Are you, do you have a hand in that? I've, uh, actually, my wife might now have a hand in it. Oh, okay. There we go. Secret. The uh, the marketing, the the Jill of all trades. So yes, the marketing queen. That's that's it. So uh, that's it. We'll end there. Episode one sixty five, Brady Channel. If you need to reach out, add around a helping hands. Um, this is fun. That was a good time. Good. Thanks. It wasn't bad. It wasn't as scary as you maybe thought. No, it was all right. Okay. Two fiddleheads helps you know. <laughs> 
Make, makes the, the words flow. Yeah, so good. that's it. Episode 165. We're out. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.